Hello everyone and welcome back to the Damage Counter Podcast, your bi-weekly stuff for all things Pokemon trading card game. You got Phelan over here. And you got Josh over here. And as always, we've got a great episode lined up for you. Uh, we're talking about our first energy card and card of the day. I feel like that's just worth highlighting. I gotta, mm. I have to say it. Uh, of course, we've got all the news for you. A to, couple tournaments wrapping up and uh, we're getting close to the uh, Paldea Vault format, so we've uh, got some interesting topics to talk about there. We're covering Miraidon EX in our 60-card showcase. And then uh, at the top of the show, we're uh, ending things off with a meta prediction for Milwaukee Regionals. Milwaukee Regionals will be happening this weekend. So we're going to talk about it, try to get some predictions in there and see what we can come up with. But for the time being, Josh, my friend, how you been? I've been doing pretty good. I've... uh. Still been working on blinging out my Gardevoir deck. I'm pretty much to the energies at this point, besides one or two other cards. So I've decided that's just gonna be a, have to be a slow roll thing. I uh, I need to slow down <laughs> how much I'm spending on money or on cards. So I'm just gonna do the ener- energies and like ones and twosies to finish yeah. that out. Which it's only twelve, so it won't take that long to do. But uh, I mean besides that, not a whole lot. Been working a lot lately. Uh. My job had its yearly inventory coming up, and that's been taking up a lot of my time. That finally got done with last week, so I'm past that. A uh, lot less stressful now. I don't have near as much on my plate to deal with, so that's really nice. Uh, and I've gotten back into playing Magic a little bit. I've been uh, playing some Arena, kind of got back into learning the new Standard, what's going on there, because I haven't really been playing Standard for about a year now, so I'm like... Five, six sets behind. I'm pretty behind. It's uh, It's been pretty fun, though. I'm actually having a lot of fun. Is uh, Standard in a better place than it was a couple years ago? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it's too bad right now. That's I think it's good. pretty versatile. Yeah, the best deck in the format, uh, well, definitely really good. Does is nowhere near what some of, the, <laughs> some of the other decks that I was playing back in the day. So I think they've balanced themselves back out a decent amount. That's good. You'll have to hear that. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, I've uh, taken a look at some magic here and there, too. It's like, it, it always happens, right? Like, everyone, you know, I'm a par- primarily Pokemon, but every now and again, I see people playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Or somebody will show me their Yu-Gi-Oh! collection or magic, and I'm just like, man, I kind of I kind of want to play that. That game's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might, be, it might be around time I maybe hop back into magic a little bit, too. Uh, I'd be down, dude. I think that'd be sick, but yeah, I mean, there's just, when you're a card game player, there is always something appealing about other card games, even when you have your main, you know, it's just, card, pretty much all the other card games, at least the big ones, they do have something unique enough about each of them that does make them interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's like, uh, it's almost kind of like a cleanse, uh, a cleansing palette type deal for like, you know, you have your main game and you're playing it and you're grinding and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. But every now and again, you're just like, dude, and this is like irregardless of whether or not the format is good or not, right? It's just like sometimes, mm-hmm. man, you just, you know, take a break, play a different card game for a little bit, a couple weeks, a couple days, depending on, <laughs> I guess, the kind of person you are. But I think you're just like, okay, I've had my fill back to my main game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true and not true, because I'd still probably consider Magic my main card game these days, but uh, I haven't really been actively playing it besides Commander and whatnot here and there for about right. two years. But, I was uh, thinking of which we need to get another Commander game going. 
definitely. But I, I see what you're saying. It It is nice just to get a palate cleanser, go do something completely different, and then come back to your card game with kind of a new mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, we talked about <laughs> magic for like four or five minutes there, so I'll go ahead and wrap about me, because I don't have too much else. What have you been up to? Um, good lord, what haven't I been up to? So... <laughs> Um, well, I think the big thing is I hit up some, uh, Paldea Vault pre-releases, uh, this weekend. Um, one of those pre-releases, like, I, I straight up, I walked away with literally nothing. Like, nothing but a hollow rare in every pack, and I was a little dumbfounded by that. <laughs> but went back to some of the other events. I judged the pre-release win a box, so I got a few staff promos, uh, pulled some double rares, so that was all fun. Um... Ended up getting like three different Meowskarata EX over the weekend nice. total, so that's pretty good. I'm only missing the gold one now, so that's kind of hype. Um, one of my pre-release decks, <laughs> I got like the, I got like a Bax Caliber line in like the pre-constructed deck, and I pulled a Chien Pao EX in one of the packs. <laughs> so I was you animal, playing, uh, dude. I was playing Chien Pao Bax Caliber, bro. <laughs> it was so unfair. <laughs> Oh, but it was great. It was great. I had a lot of fun. I was like, man, I kind of kind of want to build this in standard, man. It's kind of fun. So I might have to uh, I might have to do that at some point. But I uh, had a good time at pre-release. This has been one of the more enjoyable pre-release formats I've had in a while. Those last few ones for Sword and Shield were like, they just are giving me like bolt cards to play with. And they're just not fun type of deal. Mm-hmm. Like this one is like, wow, these cards, I mean, you know. In, in the grand scheme of, like, standard format, uh, yeah, they're bulk, but, like, you know, you have powerful stage two lines. This one can accelerate energy. This one can draw a bunch of cards. You know, stage one hitters mm-hmm. that can kind of hold you over until you get your stage two set up. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It had, like, uh, honestly, it was one of the more skill-based pre-releases I've played in a while. So, uh, nothing but accolades for me there, but... Yeah, all that. Been preparing for Milwaukee Regionals. Um, putting myself through the Arceus Gauntlet. I think I've played like every Arceus variant under the sun in preparation for Milwaukee. Uh, just trying to land on one. I don't think I need mm-hmm. to keep it hush. I think everybody that listens probably knows that I was going to play an Arceus deck. <laughs> of some kind, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I, I love Arceus, man. It's such a fun card. Oh, definitely. And then, uh, yeah, besides that, it's just been rounding up some cards for Retro. Um, finishing up my fifth Sun and Moon deck, I think. I'm missing like three cards for it. The old Rampardos deck. Uh, one of the few times that Fossils have actually been good yeah. uh, in the trading card game, which happens very rarely. Uh, so excited to have that. Just nice to be like, hey, this format, this mechanic, which is handled terribly, was actually kind of okay. Always a neat little bit of uh, Pokemon history there. And then mm-hmm. the only other thing besides that is I uh, did a little bit of RNG manipulation uh, over the weekend. Oh, God. Yeah, I got a, I got a shiny Arceus in a Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, it took me like seven hours to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little embarrassing if you're familiar with RNG. I'm not going to get into it, but like if you're familiar with RNG manipulation and like the method to get shiny Arceus in that game... It's actually really easy. 
and like mm-hmm. should not have taken me more than like an hour and a half tops. Uh, but that was not the case. But regardless of such, I got him. Mm-hmm. And the pop-off was legendary. I wish I was streaming it. But it is what it is, so... Yeah, I wish you'd been streaming it, too. Oh, man. I'm telling you, I got a... It, it was also, like, 3 in the morning, so I could have very easily gotten a noise complaint, but I, like, shot out of my chair. I was, like, screaming. I was like, yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I'm a shiny Arceus now, so it's all good. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Uh, but enough about me and a bunch of Pokemon stuff. Uh, we got a we got a podcast to get into, and uh, you know how we always do. We start with card of the day around here, and that's right. We're talking about some energy. I was scrolling through our episodes, and I was like, "Is there any kind of card that we've never talked about?" And uh, as it stands, we've only ever covered Pokemon supporters and one Stadium card. And so I decided to be the oddball and select an energy for us to cover (laughs) on this episode. So let's get right into it. Now this one right here. This is a classic. We got double colorless energy. A classic card and also an incredibly broken one, if you ask me personally. (laughs) Definitely. Double colorless energy is a special energy, and it has the simple effect of providing two colorless energy. Doesn't sound too crazy on the surface, but when you really think about all the Pokemon that attack for, like, X double colorless or XX double colorless, all of a sudden this card makes stuff like that, like, so much more feasible. And it's gotten Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, we haven't seen double colorless energy since base at Sun and Moon. That's the last time it's been printed. I uh, missed out on Sword and Shield. It's probably going to miss out on Scarlet and Violet. I'd be very surprised if they reprinted it. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, man. I think it's really just because if Pokemon like Tag Team Pokemon and VMAX Pokemon and VSAR Pokemon had access to double colorless energy, they would yeah. be even more broken than they already are. Yeah, there, there's a reason that we got Turbo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had to put some kind of drawback to it just because of how, like how insanely good Double Colorless would be if it was back in its natural state. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to watch the card designers kind of like dance around this kind of card in like the Sword and yeah. Shield era. Because like you said, we had to double Turbo Energy, which is basically the same thing, but it does uh, make you do 20 less damage. Obviously still a phenomenal card. Uh, so just imagine having that without the 20, you know, it would yeah, just definitely. be so much better. But there was also like the likes of Twin Energy, which was double colorless energy, but could only be attached to non-rule box Pokemon. Um, well, technically, technically it couldn't be attached to V and GX Pokemon, technically. So, you know, that was before they had the whole rule box wording, uh, but... Yeah. Point is, that was another way for them to try to dance around the fact that, like, hey, there's no way we can give tag teams V-Maxes and V-Stars a double colorless, man. We just can't <laughs> do it. And so, yeah, and it, I mean, it's like I said, it, 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 this is one of those ones that's, like, going to be pretty short, sweet, and to the point, but, like, this card's broken, bro. <laughs> yeah, I just mean, like, these days, since, like you said, Pokemon are just crazy right now. Ever since Sun and Moon, we've had some really crazy Pokemon with V tag teams and V maxes and all that. It's just if letting them get online even faster 
and there's not any. I mean, the, literally, if there was this natural double turbo, do you know how many Pokemon in the format you could just go attach, swing for like over 200 damage? D yeah, it, it's it's all over the place. Like, if you, if you really sit down and think about it, like, okay, Arceus is going to hit 200 every time. Yeah. So it's like, it's no longer like... Because if you think about it, right, you go, okay, V-Star, Starbirth, you're usually getting, like, the double turbo energy, maybe another Pokemon to accelerate the energy too, you know, if you miss that in your opening setup. But if we had double colorless energy, it would be like... Starbirth for double colorless, colorless energy and choice belt because you are always going to KO a Pokemon V every time, you know, which mm -hmm. I think is like, I, I, I want to give the designers credit for that, like putting Arceus's math just perfectly outside of range uh, for uh, getting like a one shot on Vs even with a choice belt and DTE. Because, you know, with double turbo energy, the minus 20 and then plus 30 from the belt puts you at 210, which is like just 10 damage short, forcing the Arceus players to kind of work for it a little bit. Yeah. I got to I gotta give them props for that. But if we had double colorless energy, it would just be every time double colorless choice belt. And you just KO the V and you take two prizes and you're just set. Like, you're, you're chilling. So Arceus is one thing. And then you also think about Lugia. Bro, Lugia? <laughs> Primal Turbo 2 Double Colorless, you attack for 220. Bruh. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> and if you want a taste of that, go play Lugia and Expanded and tell me you're having fun. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this card, uh, you know, it. I mean, it, it, it saw, like, play and print for an extremely long time. I mean, let's not forget, Double Colorless Energy originally came out in base set. Right? So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's been around. Although, funnily enough, actually, now that I'm, I, I've, I've got every copy of the card pulled up, kind of interesting, like, the, the path that this card took, right? It, you know, it was printed in base mm -hmm. set, reprinted in base set 2. And then it was not reprinted again until Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Interesting. It's like the designers were kind of like, "Yeah, that's a little, that's a little much." But then they kind of thought they could bring it back. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, and to be fair, I mean, you know, Double Color was stuck around from Heart Gold, Soul Silver all the way up to Sun and Moon. It got printed in Black and White, X and Y, uh, and again, like I said, uh, early part Sun and Moon. So, yeah, I, I guess the designers felt that the game was in a place where this. Uh, was relatively healthy um, that have realized that like maybe we need to cut this back again so <laughs> who knows I I said before I would be surprised if they reprinted it in Scarlet and Violet I'm not sure if I'd be that surprised though I don't know if that makes sense right like maybe they'll wait for the V-Stars to leave the format and then give it a shot again maybe I guess with like evolving Pokemon I guess it's okay right because you got to evolve into your EX Pokemon and stuff like that yeah. So I guess yeah, under I those them. conditions, it could be fine, but I don't know. I don't know. I could see them being more okay with it, with uh, EXs, since there's so many evolution lines now, like you said. I think that would be fine, honestly. I uh, I don't think that would, like, interrupt play too much anymore, because, I mean, like we just talked about, the whole reason is just trying to stop the turbo Pokemon from being, like, even more turbo. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought experiment. We'll have to just uh, wait and see what they do. But 
Yep, that's going to be double colorless for our car today. Again, you know, short, sweet, to the point, but uh, a simple card with an absolute laundry list of accolades tied to it. I mean, this is just such an incredibly versatile card, and anytime it's printed, you can guarantee it will see a ton of play. So, yeah, double colorless energy. But with our card of the day out of the way, as always... Let us know what you think of Double Colorless Energy. Do you think it deserves to not ever be printed again? Or do you really wish we had it back? Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Or you can hit us up in our community Discord. That's right, we have a community Discord. Links to that are in the episode description. Uh, we've been talking up a lot about pre-release in there. Uh, people showing off their pre-release pools and stuff like that. It's been a good time. So you want to keep the conversation going, definitely hit us up in there. Definitely. And as always, if you have a card that you would like for us to go over here on the podcast, feel free to send it our way. We'd love to talk about it. As always, the only stipulation is that it has to be an official Pokemon card. But besides that, uh, feel free to send us anything. Whatever kind of card it is, uh, like Phelan talked about earlier, this was our first energy card, but we will happily go over another. If you have one that's particularly a favorite of yours or some crazy story involving it, uh, we'd love to talk about it. Yeah, if you want to be the first one to claim that we talk about an item or a tool card, you know. Listen, the title's out there, so go and get it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into the news. Uh, we've got some interesting stuff uh, coming up. Uh, some, you know, tournaments to talk about as per usual. So let's talk about it. <laughs> All right, so not a whole lot going on in the news this go-around. Uh, we do have a couple stories uh, to touch on. Uh, you know, some some official announcements, as uh, well as a few regional tournaments that have happened in the area. So let's go ahead and get into it. So the first thing to talk about, Obsidian Flames has been announced. It is going to be our next set following Paldea Evolved. Um, and this kind of this announcement kind of struck me as really interesting because, uh, and I, I could be wrong about this. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or if anybody knows for a fact that I'm wrong, hit me up on Twitter or something like that. But as far as I know, this is the first time we've seen a set be revealed before any of the cards were like translated from Japan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, normally at this time, we usually you know, get our first taste of the sets as the cards are revealed in Japan, they get translated, and then the English set gets announced, and we're like, okay, yeah, we already knew some of these cards were coming type deal. Yeah. Um, now, Japan has announced the existence of some of these cards. They did announce that, you know, of course, with Obsidian Flames, you can kind of draw parallels. This is going to be in relation to Japan's uh, Ruler of the Black Flame set, where they announced the uh, poster Pokemon for that set is going to be a dark... Terra type Charizard, uh, and that is the case for Obsidian Flames as well. But we don't know what that card does. It's not been shown to us. It's not been put in a position where it could be translated. We don't know anything coming from Japan's Ruler of the Black Flames set. We just know that it's going to feature a dark Terra type Charizard. And then Pokemon International comes around and says, Yeah, uh, here's Obsidian Flames. It's going to release. I think they had a release date uh, on here. Uh, yeah, it's going to release on August 11th, which is like right in the middle of Worlds, by the way, which is kind of funny to think about. 
and yeah, it's going to feature the dark terratype Charizard as well as a lightning terratype Tyranitar, a dragon uh, type Dragonite EX, a colorless type Greedon EX. Those are Terra EXs. That's why I mentioned their types specifically. Uh, it's also going to feature an Ice Q EX and a Vespaquin EX, all of which are going to, or both of which are going to have different types. We don't know what types yet, but they are going to be type shifted, as well as a few regular EX Pokemon like Revivroom EX, Melmetal EX, and Toad Scroll EX. Uh, so yeah, they just kind of dumped all that information on us, but didn't show us any cards, <laughs> which like kind of gets under my skin, man. I want to see what these cards are. Yeah, it's a little annoying to know that the set's coming, but we really haven't even gotten to see anything yet. We're so used to just that, like you said, getting the cards, being able to see what the sets are pretty much immediately. Yeah, because Japan's new cycle, I mean, they've been, it's been like daily for them where they reveal new cards from Pokemon 151, which, you know, I, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but because they're like practically announcing them daily, we didn't want to, you know, commit any sporadic podcasting time to it we just wait for them to reveal the whole set and we'll wrap it all up in a nice bow later on but that's kind of what japan's news cycle has been mostly focusing on as of late is um you know slowly revealing the cards from pokemon 151 which you know we we've can pretty safely speculate that we're going to get those as like a mini set later on in the year probably after obsidian flames um but it, it's kind of weird to me that Japan's been revealing all those cards and not a single, like, the set that we're supposed to get those cards in has not been revealed here stateside, but we have this mm-hmm. with cards that Japan hasn't revealed yet. It's just like, what is going on here, dude? <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird when you think about it. Yeah, so they're changing up the news cycle here. Um, but regardless, I mean, I'm pretty excited. There's There's, like, a lot of very clear references to like the old ruby sapphire ex era with the dark type Mm -hmm. charizard and the lightning type tyranitar you know those were cards that we got in the ex era the charizard star that was a darkness type the tyranitar ex that was a delta species lightning type uh so very clear homages uh to that era which just always tugs at the heartstrings i'll be honest here but yeah uh, yeah, with this press release, it kind of does actually detail how the type-shifted terror types will work. So Charizard's going to be a darkness type, but it's still going to require fire-type energy to attack. But mm-hmm. it's going to have the grass-type weakness to reflect you know, the fact that it's a dark type. So, A, that's just really funny to see a Charizard be weak to grass, of all things. Uh, that's just pretty amusing to me, but... Uh, I'm pretty excited for this. I... I, I and beyond excited to see type shifted Pokemon once again. Uh, really excited to see, and hopefully the Terra rule isn't just a bench barrier again. That's mm-hmm. what it's been for Sil- Scarlet and Violet. It's what it's been for Paldea Evolved. I'm hoping since we're finally getting type shifted Terras, maybe they'll change the Terra rule. I hope so. Bench barrier is so boring. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty boring. Yeah, they have the they have the opportunity here to basically bring back ancient traits, and they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but along with all this, they have also released all of the uh, the product images, so the booster boxes, all the booster pack artworks, and stuff like that, uh, as well as the elite trainer box, which is going to be featuring Charmander, not Charizard, but Charmander, uh, and it comes with this adorable Charmander promo card, where he is. <laughs> staring outside of uh, outside of a window very angrily at a Pidgey. It's very funny. He's very angry. 
That was pretty funny. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, good stuff. Uh, looking forward to getting my hands on this. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait until we hear more about it. And of course, as we get uh, some reveals, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be here to uh, report on it as it comes out. Now on to some more official news. Um, this is either going to turn into a cautiously optimistic thing or <laughs> for most people, myself included, uh, just a, uh, a deadline for us to continue dunking on Pokemon TCG Live. As uh, Pokemon has announced that the trading card game Live is officially launching on June 8th. That's right. It is coming out of beta. They are officially deleting, killing off, sunsetting Pokemon trading card game online, saying, hey, we're going to cut it off. You're not going to be able to access it anymore. Pokemon Trading Card Game Live is going to be out of its beta officially on June 8th, right in time for Paldea Evolved to hit the service. Um, I gotta be honest, man. It's still in such a horrendous state. Like, it... And, and I'm not trying to sound melodramatic here. I really am not, but like... No, it, it's very rough. Like, it as the only way to play Pokemon online, it, it really sucks that this is like the only option we have right now to be honest yeah it's absolutely horrendous still buggy beyond beyond belief um like it's gotten to the point dude where like there was a, there was a time there where like you know I, i'm grinding the decks for like regionals and league cups and stuff like that right and you know the best yeah. way to do it is on the live unfortunately or at least for you know for somebody with a schedule like mine so you know i hop on the live and it's just dude it's just a miserable experience like, I, I think it genuinely has hurt my enjoyment of the game more than it has helped. Because <laughs> I gotta be honest, I completed the Battle Pass, like, a couple weeks ago. Not really happy about it, but I completed the Battle Pass a couple weeks ago through all my grinding. And after, mm -hmm. like... yeah, And I already don't enjoy the format as it is, so, like, that isn't helping things. But, like, you know, after dealing with live and playing in a format that I don't enjoy, struggling to find a deck that I, like, really vibe with this format... I got to the point where, like, I practiced for a League Cup and for a League Challenge very soon after the fact. And after all that all was said and done, the Battle Pass was done. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I, I don't care what happens at Milwaukee Regionals. I will just coast off of any testing I do in person, as limited as that is, considering that I'm just extremely busy between, like, the podcast and a full-time job and all that stuff. You know, I'll just coast off of that because at this point, I just don't want to play live anymore. And I got to be honest, I've been enjoying the game like the trading card game in general, a lot more <laughs> now that I've not been playing live as much. I gotta be honest with you, dude. It's an abysmal experience. It, it's very irritating. You know, it's just like, even when the game's working as intended, it's still not like a good experience. No, not, not in the slightest. Cause it's just, I don't know, man. It, it's the UI is pretty terrible. The game is just kind of ugly. Like, and, like, I get it, like, you know, the visuals, you know, I, even when it comes to, like, video games, I'll be the first to preach that, like, oh, the graphics aren't everything. And that's true, but, like, also at the same time, like, this is a Pokemon game. And when I look at this, it's just sterile and gross and does not, yeah. if there were not Pokemon cards on the screen, I would not think I'm looking at anything remotely Pokemon related. Yeah, they, they aren't everything. They still matter. They still matter a lot, so... Uh, but yeah, Pokemon uh, Trading Card Game Live is going to exit its global beta 
starting June 8th, 2023, 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, does that mean that the game is going to be fixed and way better than it is in its current state? You would think, right? I mean, that that is kind of the precedent any software sets by coming out of beta. My hopes are not high. Yeah. <laughs> my hopes are not high in the slightest. Um, at the, to be honest, if if we come out the other end of this with at the very least basic quality of life features like being able to disable the timer for for like matches against friends or being able to view certain menus while doing certain actions like you can't view the lost zone while going to select your next active pokemon or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that if we get those quality of life changes then like i might cut them some slack but the fact of the matter is i have my, my hopes are on the ground. I think the game is probably still going to be a buggy mess. These quality of life changes probably aren't coming. I hope I'm wrong. Please, please, for the love of God, I hope I'm wrong. I hope everything gets fixed and that there's no reason to clown on this game anymore. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't see it happening either. I think uh, it's going to be a long time before this game shows you know like good solid improvement sadly it's just from the way that they've handled it from the initial betas and stuff even the ones like the original ones that weren't even in the united states yet how little improvement i've seen it's just it i don't have much confidence i hate to be that negative yeah we're we're generally trying to be a little bit more positive than that but ptcg live has not given us any reason to believe that is the case because i mean you're right you know the the game saw like a, a a limited beta in canada and a lot of the problems we're dealing with today were were present from the very beginning. I think really, you know, there have been some bug fixes here and there, cards that haven't worked properly that have been fixed over the years. Some of them taking entire formats to fix, which is just absolutely unacceptable, uh, especially when they're like incredibly important cards, like oh, I don't know, Forest Seal Stone, Sky Seal Stone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but you know, aside from that, the only things I've seen is like. An update to the board, which I guess looks better than it did when it started, but it's still not great. And then the game speed was uh, increased, which, man, you need to go back and watch like some old footage of like the limited beta before they increased the speed of the game because it is so slow. I was watching a video of it earlier and I was like, oh my god, yeah. it really was that slow at one point? Yeah, it it's definitely got a lot of work to do in mind. Like, when you compare it to uh, other online card games, like their applications, like MTG Arena, or even something like Riot's Legends of Runeterra, like, just the presentation and the way they do it, it's so much better. It's interesting. They have good card effects on the cards, and they, like, take time to actually make sure their UI looks nice. You know, it's doable. It's very doable. So, I feel like it's not in the wrong to, like, be critical of them for this stuff because I feel like if you're gonna have an online card game platform like in this day and age, you you really need to lean into it a little bit and take advantage like take advantage of it to improve the experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. So uh we'll just have to see what happens on June eighth. If nothing else, we can come out the other end of this. Uh and the fact that it's in beta will no longer be an excuse for the defenders, for the diehards. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
and maybe yeah. they'll give us an actual expanded format. But I that that too is also wishful thinking. It seems like it right now. Yeah, unfortunately, but not to be a Debbie Downer for too long. There, you know, we had to we had to talk about it there a little bit. Um, and again, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I wish nothing but the best for the devs. I hope that we come out the other end of this. And I everything I said is wrong and whatever. But you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, as long as that they can at least show that they are willing to listen to feedback and work on things, I'll be happy. Because this is an online platform, you know, there's always time to improve it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to their credit, they, you know, they've had these like letters to the community and stuff like that. And the update, like the very few updates they've made, you know, mm-hmm. are in response to fan outcry. But like, you know, it, it they've proven that they're listening, but like the, like they move at a, a snail's pace. Yeah. And it's, you know, even like even with the announcements or the community letters being like, hey, we're listening, like, yeah, this problem you mentioned, we clamored about like five months ago. Why are you, you took five months to say we hear you and we don't have any update on when we can expect <laughs> a fix. Like, yeah, you know, there's some problems there, but we won't yeah. belabor the point any longer. Again, PTCG Live coming out of beta on June 8th. Uh, again, we'll report on that uh, as it happens. Uh, you know, any any major changes that have come along. Uh, you can rest assured that uh, we will report on that when the time comes. But in the meantime, uh, we'll wrap up our news segment with a few regionals that happened uh, these past few weeks. Uh, we've got Hartford and Malmo regionals uh, happening in the U.S. and Europe, as well as the special event in Lima. So we'll go ahead and start with the Hartford regionals. Uh, as we usually do, we'll start with a few things outside of the top eight that I found uh, pretty interesting. Um you know, I always enjoy doing this. You know, obviously the, the decks that people have their eyes on are the ones that make top cut. But it's always nice to see the few rogue archetypes, you know, tip the hat off to them a little bit for playing something a little bit unorthodox and making a day two finish with it. You know, we have a, a Palkia Gardevoir list, a straight Palkia list here. Uh, there's an Arceus Gallade. I love seeing me some Arceus Gallade. That is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Adam Reinhardt. Getting 57th with a Maridon Flaffy that I note specifically because he is the only person to bring Ampharos EX to day two. So nice. shout outs to you, good sir. Um, so just, you know, just a few cool archetypes I've seen. Uh, big fan, again, of that Arceus Gallade. Uh, very similar to one we saw, I think it was in a Taiwan Championships before we officially got the set over here. Uh, mm-hmm. Using Arceus with the uh, Curlia engine, Glade for Buddy Catch. You got the Delphox V for sniping and the Radiant Charizard for some big damage. Uh, did a lot of testing with that deck in the early format. Absolutely love that deck uh, very much. Um, not sure if there was anything that you saw, Josh, that you were uh, wanting to give a quick shout out to uh, before we hit the top eight. No, I think you called out most of the interesting ones right there. All right, sounds good. Well, let's hit that top eight then. Uh, starting from eighth place and working our way up, we have Shashi Nareen playing Mew Genesect. That is double turbo Mew. Uh, Ryan Harris at seventh place with Arceus Duraludon Umbreon. Sixth place, Raymond Long with Lost Box. Fifth place, Daniel Altavilo with Lost Box. Luke Smith uh, running up fourth place with DTE Mew. Third place, Reagan Retzloff. Second place, Grant Shen, both playing that Lugia Archaeops. And then kind of the, the big major takeaway here, taking it all home, Rowan Stavenow playing Fusion Mew 
which kind of caught everybody off guard. Uh, I mean, we haven't really seen Fusion Strike Mew since before the World Championships, really. I mean, obviously that was kind of the package that was basically spoon-fed to us in Fusion Strike, and that was just kind of the one and only way to play Mew for the longest time there Mm -hmm. until uh, Double Turbo Mew hit the scene at the World Championships and uh, basically became the go-to Mew variant for a lot of players ever since. Kind of interesting to see Fusion Mew just be on this massive comeback. Josh, you have any uh, immediate thoughts about that? Uh, I don't think it's completely surprising. Uh, I've, I've said a couple times that I just think Fusion Strike Mew is always going to be a thing until it goes away. It's uh, I've always been a bit advocate, especially of the Fusion Strike kit, too. So it's I've always known it's good. I mean, it's just, it works so well together. Like, it's always going to be good. Like, they can print counters to it, and that's fine. But just, people won't play it while people are putting the counters in their deck. And as soon as the counters go away, uh, Mew comes back out to play, you know? It's it's just a cycle. Yeah, it's like that, uh, it's like that wave. You know, it was like back in Brilliant Stars, where it was... Kind of the same thing, but it was with Urshifu. It was like, oh, no, everybody stopped playing Manaphy because nobody's playing Urshifu. Cool, time to play Urshifu. Oh, Urshifu had success. Everybody starts playing Manaphy. Time to stop playing Urshifu. <laughs> it's yeah, basically the same thing here, but with like Drapion or Heavy Path Judge and stuff like that. Um, but I think yeah. I, I think the, the onset of Fusion Mew is kind of interesting because... Uh, and I, I believe we made note of this in the previous episode. If we didn't, um, Arceus has been on the rise. I mean, you know, Arceus won EUIC at one Portland, and at Hartford it was the most played deck in day two were Arceus variants. So, you know, best way to deal with Arceus is to KO the Arceus before it becomes a V-Star, and you've basically mm-hmm. won the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so good uh, metagaming there from Rowan. Um, every other list here in the top cut is about what you would what you would expect, though. Um, I think Lugia is kind of. I think Lugia is just kind of at a point where it's more or less solved, or at the very least, like settled for this format. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really think that you can really deviate from uh, Reagan Retzloff's list too much before it becomes unoptimal. You know, outside of, uh, you know, metagaming, you know, if for whatever reason you felt like Duraludon wasn't going to be around, then obviously you could take out the Urshifu package. But um, considering that Arceus Duraludon was the most popular Arceus variant this past weekend Mm -hmm. uh, and seems to just be growing and growing and growing in popularity, I don't think the Urshifu ever can come out of a Lugia deck (laughs) at this point. Yeah, yeah, I... uh... I agree with you. I think this is pretty much Lugia right now, which obviously it's it's pretty good, you know. Yeah, I mean, you get the birds into play, and you you start just taking one shot after one shot. I mean, it, you know, you can't really argue with that. I, I've said it a few times here on the cast, but you know, once Lugia gets set up, once it gets the birds out, it's there's really not a lot many decks can do to deal with all that after the fact like you can't really take the deck head on you kind of have to find other ways to to slow them down or take advantage of them to try to win because if you try to you try to beat them out in a war of attrition if they get the birds set up and that's it you know they're yeah, gonna they're win gonna that win. war of attrition every time 
So good stuff coming from Lugia there. Um, yeah, like I said, though, everything else is about what you'd expect. Uh, I do want to give shout-outs to Raymond Long uh, for his Lost Box deck. I think it's pretty creative here, uh, kind of going back to that one-prizer-only approach. Still leaning on the Kyogre. Uh, I think a lot of the community has settled on Kyogre being the best way to play Lost Box mm-hmm. uh, in the current standard format. Um, you know, Aquastorm is just a ridiculous, ridiculously powerful attack. Uh, can absolutely decimate several decks in the format. Uh, and especially, you know, with Mew doing really well at this event, uh, you know, it's probably a good chance that Mew sees more play and Mew does not like Kyogre at all. Yeah. Uh, but also sneaking in that Silver Tempest Articuno kind of give you that uh, extra out against a Lugia, you know, if they decided to disrespect uh, things like Paralysis or, uh, you know, Active trapping, you know, take cutting the penny, mm-hmm. trying to get out of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, punishing that, giving you a few extra turns to uh, cycle some cards, get a little set up. Love seeing me some uh, Articuno in here. Definitely. It's really cool to see, actually. I haven't, uh, I haven't really seen too much of that. So this is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been more leaning on, like, the, uh, like I said, like the multi-prize kind of builds of lost box you know the turbo with the dragonite or sky seal stone with like raikou and drapian yeah. uh you know stuff like that or even you know even kyogre with dragonite just like uh, daniel altavilo was playing for this mm-hmm. event you know that's kind of been the way people have favored playing lost box a little bit more but uh, i think i personally have always been a bigger fan of the single prize variant uh you know you just keep that extremely aggressive prize trade uh, not saying one is necessarily better than the other. It's really a tomato-tomato type deal because uh, mm-hmm. playing those Vs gives you a little bit uh, better early game aggression uh, with their bigger attacks. You can kind of start taking your prize cards a little faster at the expense of maybe not having as aggressive of a prize trade. So it really depends on what you favor as a player. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think I very much... Am right in line with uh, that one prize lost box deck. Big fan of that. Definitely. But I think that's all I have uh, for the Hartford Regional. So we'll go ahead and move on to Malmo. Uh, once again, taking a look outside the top eight at Malmo. Uh, seeing a lot more Gardevoir at Malmo. I just think that this archetype just in general is probably a lot more popular in Europe than it is uh, stateside. Uh, why mm-hmm. that is, I couldn't tell you, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, Shout-outs to Vincent Marcus Monk for getting, for getting day two, 47th with Kiram VMAX. Uh, this is one of those silly decks uh, that mm-hmm. plays an absurd amount of energy, and you just high-roll the, uh, the glaciated world and just start taking one-hit KOs. Really funny deck. Uh, so pretty funny to see that make day two. Uh, only other shout out I have before we break down the top eight is uh, Tommy Latella playing just a standard Arceus Bibarel list. I'm a huge fan of this. Just 4-4 Arceus, 3-3 Bibarel, 2 Squovit, and go. Lots of energy. Crushing Hammer, 3 Sharon's Care. You got Roxanne, you got Judge, you got Path. I love this deck. This is just... It's it's consistent, it's low to the ground, it says, hey, I'm going to get into the game every time. 
And as mm-hmm. long as you're not taking one shots, you're probably just not winning the game. <laughs> because you can see an absurd amount of cards off of just one Babarel and one Squovit. So imagine having at least two Babarel and two Squovit. I mean, at that point, you don't even need draw supporters at that point. like <laughs> yeah, You're pretty much set for the game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got the the higher count of the V-Guard energy as well to uh, stave off some of the damage. Uh, you know, very disruptive, very consistent way to play Arceus. Uh, I, I saw the list and immediately got to testing with it. And I got to say, I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon looping Arceus is probably one of the most demoralizing things you can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to somebody that can't get one shots on an Arceus. It's absolutely hilarious. So, shout outs to Tommy for that. Um, and of course, you know, shout outs to Tor. Just just barely missing that top 8, 15th place with his own Gardevoir list. Uh, not too dissimilar to what he was playing at EUIC. He made a few changes, but, you know, shout outs to the Lord anyway. Yep. So as we move into the top eight, we have Lucas Henrique de Arajo Pereira uh, playing DTE Mew. Uh, Dario Scarno playing DTE Mew. Uh, in seventh, sixth place, Brian DeVry, highest placing Gardevoir list at sixth. Uh, fifth place, we have Jan Hausman. Fourth place, uh, Piotr Orlansky. Third place, Brendan Camerman, all playing Lost Box. And those are all different variants of Lost Box, by the way. Jesus. Yeah, every single variant under the sun making top cut at Melmo. Very funny. Uh, second place, Consta Kalama playing Double Turbo Mew. And first place, Last Puisto, wouldn't you guess, Fusion Mew taking another dub on the same weekend. What are the chances? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, again, the, the archetype of Mew that nobody was expecting, uh, you know, came out to play uh, this weekend for regionals. Um, I will say uh, Lass's list is a little bit different than Rowan's. Uh, Rowan was just, you know, it, it was classic Fusion Strike Mew, right? You just mm-hmm. get into the game, you're heavy, just go, 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 super turbo type deal, kind of getting away from the disruptive route that Mew has started to take ever since the DTE Mew variant came around. Uh, Lass yeah. has come around and he said, no, I'm going to combine those two variants. I'm going to have the Fusion package. I'm going to have the Meloetta. I'm going to have the Deoxys to kind of help me out in the Lost Box matchup. But I'm also going to have a small Judge Roxanne and two path, you know, a small little disruptive package there. Kind of kind of neatly wrap the two archetypes into one type approach. And I got to be honest, I think if I was playing Fusion Mew, I, I, honestly, I think I would take this exact 60, to be honest. I, I think this is the way to go, if you ask me. Yeah, this looks really good. Honestly, I really like the 60. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it seems to be the most versatile, you know. Like you said, yeah. you, you, you've got that turbo button, you can go crazy, but you also got that disruptive element to kind of help your lost box match up a little bit. And I think the Deoxys is also, like, extremely underrated, uh, in that way as well, because the Deoxys, you know, it hits for good damage, 80 plus 80 if it has a Fusion Strike energy attached, which, you know, of course, this being a Fusion build, it's probably going to have a Fusion energy attached. So, you know, you get a Fusion Strike energy on there and a double turbo, 
you're getting around for 140. 140 is solid damage against uh, Lost Box, which is the matchup where you're going to be wanting to use this guy the most. And most importantly, it's got 120 HP. So in the early game, Deoxys can tank uh, uh, Spit Innocently from Cram uh, from Cramorant, right? So you don't have yeah. to worry about Cramorant setting up your Mu Maxes for KOs later. Same for your Genesex or knocking out your Meloetta. No, you have this one prizer that can soak the hit, and it doesn't really matter that it has 10 HP left. It's just a one prizer. You're going to get in. You're going to do some good damage with it. It's going to take that spit, and then you know, from mm -hmm. that point, you can kind of you can kind of push your advantage further with a little bit of uh, hand disruption and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, pretty big fan of this. Definitely, it looks cool. I uh, not gonna lie, I kind of want to build this list and try it out. It looks fun. Yeah, it's been a while since I've had, uh, well, since I've played Mew, and uh, definitely been a while since I've had a hankering to play Mew. You know, it, it comes and goes. Every now and again, you want to play a deck that just draws a bunch of cards, even if you're, you yourself are not a big fan of it, you know? Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I'm thinking maybe next time I have a League Challenge, maybe I'll sleeve up some Mew VMAX, have some fun, draw some cards, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think this is the way to do it, but... Um, you know, moving through the other list, like I said, we saw every variant of Lost Zone Box uh, at this event. Um, Brennan Cameraman getting, I mean, this is probably like the turbo of all turbo Lost Box decks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the Dragonite, the Raikou, and the Drapion. You have three Forest Seal Stone, three Lost Vacuum. I mean, this dude is going fast. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I feel like with this list, you probably get that turn one Mirage Gate every time. I mean, could you imagine turn one Mirage Gate and Dragon Gale all in your first turn going second? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to do that? This is the list for you right here. Definitely. Yeah, this list looks pretty cool too, honestly. Yeah, rolling up in fourth place, uh, Piotr playing another one of these uh, more one prize focused Lost Box decks. Um this time centered around the Kyogre and the Zamazenta, uh, which, you know, again, we talked about how good Kyogre is, uh, how, how well positioned it is for the metagame right now. That combined with the Zamazenta, I still think personally, like going pure one prize loss box with Kyogre and Zamazenta, in my mind personally, is the most difficult way <laughs> to play Lost Box. Like, if you want probably the hardest deck to pilot in standard format right now, this is probably it right here. Yeah. You know, finding that resource balance between, you know, accelerating your Lost Zone, using the Zamazenta on the turns where it deals extra damage, all while, you know, keeping your sequencing and decision-making correct to set up the Kyogre combo at the end of the game uh, and, and all the resource management that comes with that. I mean, this is an incredibly tough deck to play, but, you know, if you can get it down pat, it it's absurdly powerful. Mm -hmm. And then finally, for the uh, Lost Box party, we have uh, Jan Hausman, fifth place, rocking the Sablezard. Um, nothing too crazy here. Well, a few interesting things. He's going a little bit heavier on the energy. He's got the Magma Basin, got the uh, Mirage Gate in here just as one of, just as extra options. And um, I believe I've mentioned this in the past, even especially when we did our 60-card showcase on the Lost Box way back when in the Lost Origin format. Uh, I've made it known that I'm a big fan of these, of you know, these little extra burst plays in Sablezard. 
Um, you know, a, a few higher energy counts, you know, finding space for one or two Mirage Gate, maybe a Magma Basin in there, just so you can kind of burst the Charizard into play a little bit sooner instead of waiting for its Excited Heart ability to, you know, get you down to where you can attack with one or two energy, you know. Kind of accelerating your game plan, just getting in there with the Charizard, I think is... Uh, honestly, I, it's my preferred way to play Sablezard. Um, I know a lot of people don't particularly agree with that, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, Jan Hausman coming out here kind of doing the same thing. Again, higher energy count, the Mirage Gate, the Magma Basin. Just kind of gives you that extra push to attack with the Charizard maybe just a few turns earlier. Big fan. Uh, but I think that does it for the Malmo lists. Um, only other shout I really have here is uh, Dario Scarno and his Mew Genesect deck. Uh, I'm sorry, not Dario. Uh, Lucas, Lucas Henrique and his Mew Genesect deck. Bringing in that Oricorio. Uh, I think this. I, I think if you're playing Mew, I think personally Oricorio is just non-negotiable right now. Um, there's a lot of Arceus in the format and... Arceus is doing, like, just the right amount of damage to, to mm -hmm. have a, an advantage in the Mew matchup, right? Like, if you have a Mew V, Mew V has 180 HP. Arceus, even with double turbo, hits 180, so your Mews could be in danger. You put an Oricorio into play, and then suddenly the Arceus player needs a choice belt to get to KO on Mew V, as long as they have double turbo energy attached, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it also messes up math uh, on Giratina V-Star, uh, which is most notably being played with uh, Arceus Giratina, right? Uh, so, you know, Giratina V-Star needs like a Choice Belt or Cleansing Gloves to get to that 310 on UV Max. Well, you slap a Oricorio into play, and now, I mean, it doesn't matter what damage modifier Giratina V-Star has, just a one-hit KO is just impossible at that point. So... Really good math fixing, really gets in the way of Arceus, uh, and mm -hmm. shoot, even gets in the way of Umbreon, if you could believe it, even with weakness as a factor, uh, which is kind of funny to think about. So, yeah, I, I think if you're a Mew player, I think I think you just have to play Oricorio at this point. Like, I don't, like, I, I, it only helps you in the current meta. Maybe yeah. later on, if Arceus becomes a little less popular, maybe you could think about taking it out, but I think right now, you're that's probably not the position yeah. we're in. Yeah, I think it's definitely just not worth the risk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but with that being said, I think we're ready to move on to our final event for the weekend. Special event Lima. Chapin down there in Peru. So we only have the top eight for this one. Uh, not uncommon. That's usually all we get for special events. So eighth place, we have AJ Sridhar playing Arceus Duraludon Umbreon. Seventh place is Andres Guzman playing Lugia Archaeops. Uh, sixth place, Jaquan Arego, uh, with Inteleon Urshifu's first top eight appearance in this metagame. You'll love to see some Rapid Strike Urshifu action going on. Uh, fifth place, Damian fernandez Roz, uh playing uh, Double Turbo Mew. Uh, fourth place, Miguel Angel Lopez-Bernal, playing Fusion Mew. Third place, Diego Casiraga, playing Arceus Giratina. Second place, uh, Jonathan Fabrizio Bellucci Lanciano playing Lugia Archaeops. And first place, would you guess it, Josh? Rodrigo Montoya playing Fusion Mew. <laughs> Three wins in a row for Fusion Mew. 
pretty crazy. Absolutely unprecedented. Nobody would have seen this coming, man. I think um I I think it's interesting, right? Cuz like, you know, mm-hmm. Fusion Mew winning Malmo, okay, that's one thing. Fusion Mew winning Hartford, okay. Probably not out of the ordinary to call that a coincidence. But then on the very next weekend, Fusion Mew also winning the special event in Lima. I think at this point it goes to show that Fusion Mew VMAX, you know, it wasn't a fluke the first two times. Like this, this is actually something that people are going to have to consider going into Milwaukee or going into future special events or regionals, uh, because I know there's more happening than just Milwaukee this upcoming weekend. I just don't remember what they are. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not a fluke. It wasn't a one-time deal. It's not a one-hit wonder. You probably need to start expecting it for other regionals at this point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It's something that's going to have to be considered from here on out, I think. It's, I mean, topping three regionals are this close together or three events that's pretty crazy you know that definitely means it's not just a fluke if a deck's popping off that hard yeah absolutely and it looks like rodrigo kind of took Lass's approach kind of going for the uh hybrid build where you have the fusion package but also the uh, disruptive element as well so uh shout outs for that mm-hmm uh, otherwise, uh, not anything too out of the ordinary in this top eight. Again, I do want to give a big shout out to Joaquin Orego just for that Intellion Urshifu finish. Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny, right? Because everybody agrees that Rapid Strike Urshifu is just like extremely well positioned in this metagame, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has a really strong Lost Box matchup. Uh, it dumpsters Arceus, even if they're playing Dunsparce, which is really funny to think about. Um, it can play into Gardevoir. It doesn't, in, in, in my experience, is not a great matchup, but it has options in the matchup to where it's not like an auto-loss type deal. Mm-hmm. And then typically, as long as you're rocking the double Drapion, you have an out to Mew as well, right? So, you know, the deck has a phenomenal matchup spread. It's just missing an engine basically that's kind of been like my big problem with it is like the consistency of it is just kind of rough right you need to draw the right cards in the right order otherwise you're just kind of like flopping around like a fish out of water type situation you know yeah yeah definitely yeah so the fact that he was able to get this top eight finish uh, with the deck i mean massive shout outs uh pretty good stuff um I, admittedly, I don't like Urshifu's position moving forward because of Fusion Mew. You know, packing mm-hmm. Double Drapion against Double Turbo Mew is one thing because their path judge shenanigans don't really work because you can just Rapid Strike Search for a Tower of Waters, bump the path, and then you have Drapion again. And, it, you know, they don't have any one-prizers to block the blow, right? It, I mean, they're just going all in on the Mew Max Against Fusion Mew, Double Drapion's not as efficient of an answer because... You know, now it's like maybe you need the path bump, but you mm-hmm. also got hand disrupted the previous turn, and also they attacked with a one prizer. So now you need a gust, and it's just like, oh god, you know, they, they, all these other things uh, coming in. Of course, these one prizers are also hitting your Urshifus for weakness if they happen to somehow get into play. Either you started with it, or maybe they got put into play by an echoing horn or stuff like that. So uh, a little bit more difficult 
to play the Urshifu deck with uh, Fusion Mew running around, but, uh, you know, still a solid deck, so shoutouts for that. Last thing I have to mention before we wrap up here. Josh, mm-hmm. did you notice this this cute little one-of in, in, in this Mew Genesect deck? Fifth place, Damian Fernandez. This cute... What's that Squovit doing there? I don't know. What is that Squovit doing there? <laughs> what is that Squovit doing there? <laughs> Taking he's the... Nestashing. Uh, yeah, he's got that stash, brother. Yeah, combining the Arceus Bibaral strategy, but instead doing it with Genesect V. I mean, why not? Sometimes, you know... You get the lost vacuums, the path to the peaks. You know, sometimes those come up your hand. You're not ready to play the path yet because you're missing combo pieces. But you don't want to get rid of the lost vacuum because you need that to get rid of path later in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, just nest dash that away. And you can go back to drawing cards. No problem. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty interesting tech card. And would you be surprised that if I told you that this is not the first time I've seen this? I guess uh, saw a guy uh, roll up with this at a league challenge. It's like, okay, interesting concept. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Um, it sparked a little bit of debate because a lot of people are just being like, well, you know, the fourth gen is usually just better because you control until you have six instead of drawing until mm-hmm. you have five. Um, so you can go either way on it. I think it's cute. I, I probably wouldn't do it, but I would also probably prefer to play Fusion Mew, which doesn't have the room to play it anyway. So. You know, take that for what you will, I guess. <laughs> Just gotta love the, the big man Squovit. Yeah. Hit, hitting the big leagues with Mew VMAX, you gotta love it. Definitely. Well, I think that's gonna do it for our news roundup this go-around. Not too much to talk about. Some big topics, don't get me wrong. Obsidian Flames, uh, PTCG Live coming out of beta, and some very interesting developments in the metagame that... Has me very excited for Milwaukee Regionals this weekend. Uh, which, remember, I'll be there. So if you see me there, shout out. You know, come up and say hi. I don't bite, I promise. We'll have to talk to you. Uh, but I think with that being said, that's going to do it for our news roundup this go-around. Uh, let us know what you think of this week's news stories. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter. DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Or you can hit us up on our community Discord. That's right. We have a community Discord. We're always talking in there with fellow damage counter fans we're always keeping the conversation going so if you have comments about any of the news this week hit us up in the discord we'd love to keep that conversation going with you now with the news behind us we've got another 60 card showcase coming your way and uh it's about time we hit one of the big big name front runners from the scarlet and violet set uh you know we're getting pretty close to the release of paladea and we have yet to hit one of the two major archetypes to come out of Scarlet and Violet. So let's fix that. We've got Miraidon EX in our 60-card showcase. Let's check it out. All right, Josh. Um, it is, you know, coming up towards the tail end of May early part June. Mm-hmm. We've had the Scarlet and Violet expansion for a while now. How is it that we waited this long before we talked about one of the better cards coming out of the set in the 60-card <laughs> showcase? Well, uh... We had to talk about Spine Hops first, let's be real. 
Yeah, about to say there was spite ops. We had to cover the battle decks. Of course, I had to talk about Gardevoir. It just listen. There were just other priorities. Indeed, there were. But for now, we are talking about Miraidon EX. Uh, kind of, kind of the big hyped up archetype coming from Scarlet and Violet. That alongside Gardevoir EX. I mean, if you want. A super powerful, go fast, hit hard, and win the game in like three turns kind of deck. Look no further. <laughs> Not wrong. Now, before we get started, as always, we do have a link to a Google Drive in the episode description. You can click on that link and see deck lists for every single deck that we have covered here on the podcast, including the one that we are covering today. Like I said, we're covering Miraidon EX. We're probably not going to hit every 60 cards or every 60 card, whatever, you know, just in the essence of time. So if you want to see the entire deck list in its uh, entirety, definitely check out that Google Drive. I will say, um, the image that we have in there immediately is going to have this uh, image not available icon (laughs) instead of the card that's actually supposed to be there. Uh, that card is going to be Ampharos EX. Uh, mm-hmm. Limitless and Pokegear don't have it in their database yet, so that's just kind of all we got. But uh, rest assured, that is two copies of Ampharos EX there. And I guess we'll just start <laughs> with that. Yeah, this is a on Flaffy build. This is uh, the on Flaffy deck that I've been playing a lot lately. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with. I think I mentioned it on the last episode but I personally think that Miraidon Flaffy is just the way to go when it comes to Miraidon decks. Of course, you have uh, just straight Miraidon variants, which are not particularly popular, but also the Miraidon Regieleki variants that use mm. high counts of Regieleki VMAX to boost Miraidon's uh, Photon Blaster damage. All respectable ways to play the deck. This is just the way that I found personally that I enjoy the deck. I enjoy... Well, A, I enjoy not having a bunch of three prizers just sitting there as damage sponges. Mm-hmm. But I also really like the fact that I don't have to hit the electric generators all the time. I can rely on the Flaffies to get me more energy while still having this nuclear bomb option in Raichu V. So you basically get all the same tools um, without as much risk is essentially what I'm getting at here. Then I get to yeah. play my favorite Pokemon. So, you know, it's always a Good plus. Win. But yeah, our build around here is Miraidon EX with that tandem unit ability. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for two basic lightning Pokemon and put them on your bench. Uh, so you're telling me one Nest Ball gets my entire board into play? Pretty crazy. Sounds pretty good to me. It, and it's so crazy, right? Because it's like, I played one Nest Ball, get Miraidon, tandem unit for like a Mareep and another Miraidon. And I can use that tandem unit and get whatever else I need. And your entire board is set up right there. Which is just absurd. That's like battle VIP pass as an ability every turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is actually really good. Now, I've built the list in a way where every Pokemon in the deck is a lightning type. The only exception (laughs) to that being the Manaphy. Uh, when you're playing Flaffies, Manaphy's kind of important. You don't want those Flaffies or Mareeps getting sniped out by Radiant Greninja. Uh, and it's not like the Lost Box matchup isn't already difficult enough for you, so... <laughs> you 
good to have uh, good to have Manaphy on standby there. But yeah, everything else is all lightning type. We got the two Miraidon, a four four two line of Ampharos EX. We are not messing around with the Dynamotors. Uh, a 1-1 one, one Magnezone V-Star, which I'll get into here in a bit. The Raichu V, like I mentioned before, and Raikou V. So, more or less kind of like a lightning toolbox type thing, right? You need this big, mm -hmm. beefy attacker, deal a ton of damage, and take a hit the next turn. Boom, you got Ampharos EX. You need quick damage for an efficient cost. You got Raikou V. You need to one-shot a V-Max. Boom, Raichu V. You need to... Maybe pull up a Manaphy and take it out real quick and then snipe the next turn. Boom, Magnazone V, Magnazone V star. You got a lot of different options here. It's just a matter if you can get set up is the <laughs> trick. Uh, because we are playing the two Miraidon, three Nest Ball, three Ultra Ball. Sometimes you don't always get the turn one Miraidon. And yeah. when, you, when you whiff that, oh, you're going slow. <laughs> And alongside that, you also got to hit those electric generators, right? So, this is one of those decks where it's just your turn one and two are really, really important. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's like you kind of need to hit the ground running. Because mm -hmm. if you if, if if your setup is slow, even just a little bit, then it's just like uh, you're probably gonna have a hard time catching up. Like it's not impossible or anything, but like it's just kind of rough. Um. But, you know, like I said, that's why we have the Electric Generators new item card from Scarlet and Violet. You look at the top five cards of your deck, and uh, you can attach up to two basic lightning energy you find there to your benched lightning Pokemon in any way you like. And, uh, yeah, so that combined with Tandem Unit, that is, like, the definition of hitting the ground running. <laughs> and I gotta say, man, nothing feels better... Then throwing down the generator and slamming two energy off of that. That's been mm -hmm. like one of the best feelings I've ever had playing Pokemon. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I believe it. That sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I think we, we had a similar uh, a similar line of thought uh, when we were talking about Pikaram uh, in our expanded yeah. episode a couple weeks ago. We said the same thing about Max Elixir. If you thought hitting Max Elixir felt good, you need to try Electric Generator. I just absolutely busted. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, so... And I think, like, Electric Generator is kind of... And I, I feel like some people are already, like, thinking this and asking themselves, like, Phelan, why aren't you playing Radiant Greninja in here? You know, you need the card draw, you need to discard energy. Um, and I think Electric Generator just kind of, like, is the better way to start the game, right? Because... With the Flaffy mm -hmm. decks, they're like, oh, you know, you use Radiant Greninja, discard the energy, and then you accelerate it into play with Dynamotor, and that's all well and good. But, A, Greninja being a water-type Pokemon makes it a little difficult to find uh, because mm -hmm. our Pokemon search options are a little less because all we need really is Miraidon. So you may not always get it into play necessarily. But also... I find that it's better to just rely on the electric generators in the early game. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to the late, to the mid or the late game, you don't need to worry about, you know, using Greninja or anything like that to discard energy because, you know, your opponent's going to take knockouts eventually. And if they don't, then your energy's already in play. What does it matter, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of the thought process I had here is it was just, okay, just get into the game, go fast. 
hit the generator, and then at that point, you know, Flaffy can dynamo her energy after your mm-hmm. Pokemon have been KO'd, essentially. Like and a- it's it's worked for me so far. It's it's worked pretty well for me so far. Uh, yeah. I've not really had many situations where I've missed the Greninja. Uh, a lot of times, you know, Raikou's mm-hmm. fleet-footed generally will get you there. We play a pretty solid supporter count, four research, two judge, two Serena, uh, as well as two boss to go alongside it, and a four seal stone if you need the help. Um, yeah, so generally speaking, I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of options. It, it does require yeah. you to string supporters, which sometimes kind of sucks, but, you know, if you can manage that, you're going to be cooking the entire game. Yeah, I mean that does sound pretty good. It does. It definitely looks like a fun deck. Uh, I think a lot of people have kind of just moved on from Miradon, which I will admit that uh, I have also said that I don't think it's anywhere near as good as people thought it would be. And it's like, I would say, I don't know. Would you say it's a tier two deck? If I kind of feel like Mirrodon is a, a tier two deck to me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say tier two is pretty accurate, right? Because yeah. it, it's got a lot of power behind it, but it's kind of like it's like one of those things where it just kind of feels like it's in the wrong format, you know? Yeah. Where it's like the other yeah. multiprizers are just, you know, can essentially kind of do the same amount of damage, but mm-hmm. are a little tankier as well. And then, you know, you have things like Lost Box. It's all one prize based, which Mirrodon does not do very good into. Uh, just on merit that you're this multiprizer, a frail multiprizer at that, just throwing mm-hmm. around these big numbers in a matchup where, you know, you're, you're, all you need to do is hit for 80, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do think this is an interesting approach, uh, kind of just with these tools, basically, of different electric Pokemon you have for different, like, scenarios. I think that kind of helps stem that flow a little bit. So I do think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and that was that, that was actually the entire point behind the Magnezone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw this a little bit uh, before we got the set uh, from the uh, Japan Championship Leagues. In fact, the Miraidon deck did win one of those uh, yeah. using the Magnezone V. Essentially, the idea is you use Magnezone V's Magnet Pull Attack for a Lightning and a Colorless. Uh, you may switch one of your opponent's bench Pokemon with their active Pokemon and then deal 40 damage to the new Pokemon. So the idea being you use Magnetic Tension... Bring up the Manaphy, hit for 40, mm-hmm. which after weakness is 80, which is a knockout on the Manaphy. And then all you have to do on the next turn is evolve into the V-Star. And then you have Electro Star ready to go. For two Lightning Energy, you deal 90 damage to two of your opponent's benched Pokemon. So you take out the Manaphy, take out two Comfey, and you got three prizes right there. Hopefully they didn't get two set up in between the turns there. And if they didn't, you can usually coast off of it from there. Uh, Magnezone V-Star's quite a beefy pokemon at least for lost box standards 270 Mm -hmm. hp um hitting for 180 and letting you search your deck for two item cards as well nice consistency boost so gotta love it um now like i said i am playing the ampharos ex just because i really like ampharos uh this is a card you've probably not seen a whole lot of because it only just recently became legal Mm -hmm. Uh, it was released as a promo uh, at the beginning of the month so it's not had much time to uh, see any tournament success, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'm running it because it's my favorite Pokemon, but we can go over him real quick because I do think that Ampharos actually does help out the Lost Box matchup just a little bit, just mm-hmm. because 
I mean, he's got 330 HP. <laughs> that so is a lot big. of HP. He is a tanky boy. That's right. Stage 2, 330 HP. Lightning-type Pokemon. For one lightning energy, he's got Electro Ball for 60 damage. Solid one energy attack. It's a bit of a poke. You know, you kind of... Uh, obviously, you kind of wish it was more, but that's great for, like, taking out, like, uh, smaller Pokemon like Comphase, right? If you can, like, set yeah. it up or something like that. Uh, or even Cramorant, actually. That one shot's a Cramorant after weakness. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have Thunderstrike Tail for Lightning and two Colorless. 140 damage. You may discard two energy from this Pokemon and have the attack do 100 more damage. So 240 uh, for a Lightning Double Colorless. Not bad, especially when you have the Flaffies to reload that attack over and over again. Uh, pretty good stuff. So yeah, he just kind of sits as this big, beefy wall that can be really difficult for basically mm -hmm. every deck to get through. Like, nothing's one-shotting that in this format, right? Like, Definitely. that's big. Yeah, if you're... Honestly, if you're over 300 HP, you're already pretty tanky. 330, you're just, like you said, you're insanely big. Uh, like, I don't, I think pretty much nothing can touch you, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, like, the only thing that I'm worried about, like, getting over the moon on that is, like, Mew VMAX and then Giratina Star Requiem. That, like, that's literally it. <laughs> yeah. So there's not many things in the format that can hit Ampharos and take it out in one shot. So I, I really like that uh, with Ampharos as an option there just because it's like, okay, this guarantees me a turn, uh, you know, assuming my opponent doesn't gust. This guarantees me a turn where my opponent doesn't get the knockout. And we can, you know, we can rock, maybe attack with Ampharos again, maybe retreat and to another attacker, this, that, the other, right? So, mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I mean, he's a really cool Pokemon, so... Gotta love him. A neat thing you could do with Ampharos, and I'm not doing it in my list, I was testing it out a little bit, I did like it, but another neat thing that you can do with Ampharos is that you can actually play double turbo energy with him, uh, and then just discard the double turbo energy off of the Thunderstrike tail, uh, which is an op- which is- can be a pretty good option. Um, I didn't go that route because, you know, Dynamotor- that's kind of the whole thing. Like you kind of wanted to be discarding the lightning energy because you can mm -hmm. get those back. So uh, I did test that, but ultimately went back to just nothing but basics. Uh, but it is it, it works. It is pretty good, and that does give you the ability to uh, rely on Drappy and V a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, for like the Mew matchup. So like if they go like Judge Path or whatever, and you can't bump the stadium, then you can go okay. Well, Dynamotor, Dynamotor, attach double Turbo. And then, you know, you're off to the races with a Drappy and V, you know, so you can get over on Mew even if you don't have the path bump, which is always great. If you can use Drappy and under path, it's just, like, so good. <laughs> yeah. Insanely good, but... Uh, yeah, I I mean, this is another simple one. Uh, Miraidon decks are built pretty consistent. They have one game plan. It's to get in there, and it's to hit hard. And when you're when you've got a deck that needs to go this kind of fast, it's it's all about the consistency. So, in all honesty, I mean that's really all we got here. Definitely, and I do want to say since I was saying, uh, talk about how it's a tier two and not as good as we thought it was. Uh, Mirrodon is still a really solid option, and 
I, th I think it's perfectly plausible that you could take Mirrodon and win a regionals or something with it, you know? Will you, will you have to work your butt off? Probably. But I think it could be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen time and time again already, like, Mirrodon is getting top 8 at regionals. It got top 8 at EUIC. Both the Regilecki build and the Flaffy builds are doing really good. And again, it won that championship league. Uh, I don't remember where it was at, but... You know, Miraidon won that event, right? So yeah. it's, you know, out of all the meta decks, maybe it's not the greatest, but it is still a, a, a contender for sure. And if it won a regional, I don't think I'd be that shocked personally. Yeah, definitely. So don't let that discourage you from trying it out if you were worried about that. I wanted to, I wanted to make that clear. I'd... I know some people, especially newer players in card games, have a bad habit of just assuming if something's not, you know, tier one, that it's, uh, don't even look at it. And I think some people pass up on some fun decks with that kind of mindset, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And especially with this format being a little bit more open-ended, right? Like, I think, I, I think if you were like... What if I play this tier two deck in the Silver Tempest format? You'd probably just be like, that that has no shot. Yeah. Just because it was a different format. But since Rotation, since Scarlet and Violet, the format has opened up a lot. There's a lot more that's viable than just Lugia V-Star. And it's all viable for different reasons. Uh, so I think tier two in this format, yeah, absolutely can just go stomp a regional. And to be honest, I gotta be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Now is probably one of the best times to be playing Miraidon, if you ask me personally. Because uh, we've seen a lot of success come from Arceus. And out of meta decks, Arceus is one of the few meta decks that really does not want to run into Miraidon. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing you can do to, to an Arceus deck is one-shot the Arceus. Nothing will put them out sooner than that. So, <laughs> so you know... Now, I'd say, like now just might be one of the best times to do it. But regardless, that's going to be Miraidon Ampharos, specifically, you know, uh, in our 60-card showcase. Let us know what you think of the deck. Have you been playing Miraidon? Do you have a specific variant that you like? Do you play it with Flaffy or with Regilecki? Or do you have a completely different build? Hit us up. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Or you could hit this up in our community Discord. Like I said, we're always bringing the conversation in there. Um, and anytime I go to like League Challenges or League Cups like that, I'm always bringing it up in there. A few other people in the Discord have been talking about their challenges and cups as well. We've mm -hmm. been having a good time, so definitely check that out. Yeah, definitely. And as always, if uh, you have a deck that you want us to go over here on the podcast, feel free to send it our way. Uh like the Pokemon, like the card of the day, the only rule is it has to be a actual Pokemon deck. But besides that, uh, you're free to any format. We love talking about GLC. We love talking about some expanded. Uh, we obviously love talking about some retro. I don't. We, if it's Pokemon, we love talking about it. I think that's the better way to put it. Yeah, yeah so, that's, that's the quick and concise way to if, do it. If you've got, if you've got sixty cards. That you want us to talk about. Instead of us. By gosh, We'd we're going to do talk it. About it. <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of which, yeah, we did actually have a uh, uh, 
you know, have a, have a plea for more retro talk. So uh, we may be eyeballing that up in the future. So if you're in the Discord, let us know what retro formats you're interested in and uh, we'll see what we can do. But in the meantime, we got to take a look at the current standard format. Milwaukee Regionals is coming up this weekend. And I believe this is actually, uh, no, this isn't going to be the last regional uh, in this format, but it is one of the last. It'll be this one and then Fresno in uh, California. And then we're into Paldea Evolved. So uh, for this last set of Scarlet and Violet Regionals, we wanted to do a bit of a meta prediction, kind of talk about what we expect leading up into the Milwaukee Regionals. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see if we come out the other end with some correct predictions. So let's get into it. All right, like I said, Josh, we're moving into these last few regionals in the Scarlet and Violet format. And uh, yeah, we're here to have a bit of a meta discussion, talk about what we might expect for the Milwaukee regionals this weekend. Uh, before we get into that, let's just kind of have a quick review of uh, some of the decks that won the events uh, leading up to uh basically where we are in the season so far so to start things off of course the uh the format started with the european international championships that was won by alex shemansky and his uh arceus doraladon deck uh with the alolan vulpix uh really really interesting stuff really creative deck building going on there and then Mm -hmm. it's just kind of been like evolving and changing here and there uh you know Arceus Giratina went and won the Portland Regionals after that. That's where we saw the debut of the Arceus Duraludon Umbreon deck as well. Bunch of Lost Box see and play. Lost Box winning the Sao Paulo Regionals the same weekend. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Lost Box winning again with the special event in Bogota. Until we finally get to these last few tournaments that happened these past weekends. Uh, the Malmo Regionals and the Hartford Regionals which is won by Fusion Mew, of all things. So crazy. This format's taken all kinds of twists and turns. Uh, I mean, you don't really get any different than Arceus winning, than Lost Zone winning, than Mew winning, right? (laughs) I mean, those are all very different decks doing very different things. Um and, you know, that's one of the blessings of these more open-ended formats is nothing is really, like, dominating the metagame. It allows more things to step up, have a shot at winning, and, you know, more creative strategies can come out of the woodworks and stuff like that. Um, yeah, definitely. So we've had a few other archetypes that have been, like, hanging around and doing relatively well in the tournaments as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Decks like Gardevoir, decks like Lugia... Uh, of course, like I mentioned before, Miraidon, Gudra, a few that have almost made it. You know, they've made top cut here and there or have had really deep runs, but just yeah. just fallen a little bit short. So we've seen a lot of interesting stuff this format already. Uh, you know, what are, what are you just, you know, before we get into Milwaukee specifically, like just what are your general thoughts on the format right now? Uh, honestly, I think it's in a pretty good spot. I think we have a lot of good decks right now but there's enough uh, viability in pretty much all of them that you can afford to experiment and try out things. You know, there's a reason, like you just said, we saw a whole bunch of different decks just win. It's a... I think we're in a pretty healthy spot. Obviously, 
if you have one of my personal opinion, I think Gardevoir is probably the best deck in the game right now. Okay. Uh, Lost Zone, I think Gardevoir is just going to keep getting better. That's part of the reason why I'm putting it as the best deck in the game right now, because I feel like its future is very bright. But uh, there's that. Obviously, Lost Zone Box is a very good option. It's just... Uh, I think Lost Zones it's going to be one of those things just just going to be good until it's gone. You know what I mean? It's just so tight knit at what it does, and it does what it does so well. Yeah, being able to burst attackers into play like it's nothing. Prize trading so aggressively. I mean, Lost Box is definitely a powerhouse deck in the format. Um, well, well, we'll just start with Gardevoir um, since you mentioned it before. Uh, you know, we've seen Gardevoir again. It popped up and do pretty well. It got second place at EUIC thanks to Tord Reklev. Uh, got a top eight appearance in Malmo. It's been doing pretty well in other regions that aren't the U.S. <laughs> uh, I, I think the the players in the U.S. just don't see Guardi or aren't really too hot on it. Um, and it was one of those things, right? Like. Ford got second at EUIC, showed people that Guardi was good enough to go the distance, even against a format where Lost Box is just insanely popular, right? Uh, so a lot of people picked up Guardi, and then it kind of slipped, kind of tanked a little bit in the following weekends, and then we kind of haven't really seen it uh, do too much, again, at least here in the States. Uh, but even then, you know, not really getting any higher than like top eight, top four since then. Do you think do you think Milwaukee is when Guardi gets its win, or do you think we have to wait for the next format for that? I think we might have to wait, but at the same time, I think if you're a Gardevoir player, the fact that other people are slipping on Gardevoir uh, is to our, to our advantage. Just because I think Gardevoir, like I said, is a really good deck. If people aren't worried about Gardevoir, it's gonna it's gonna come in and kind of womp you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, well, because Gardevoir is, like, one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a Lost Box matchup is shaky, but, like, it beats everything else. Like, yeah. Pretty handedly. Like, yeah, and even though that matchup is shaky, I think it's still pretty winnable. Especially if you are comfortable with Gardevoir and you kind of know what you need to do. I, I think it's still a perfectly fine matchup. It's comfortable enough that it wouldn't bother, it doesn't bother me, really, at all. And, yeah. like you said, just the fact that I mean, you just take a shaky matchup in the Lost Zone when most other decks in the format just have to go, all right, well, if I play against this deck, I take it out immediately. I think that's pretty good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm mean, i right there with you, to be honest. Uh, I mean, we've seen in a few different ways how the Lost Box matchup can be played with Guardi to kind of help a little bit. It's still, you know mostly unfavorable but yeah you, you do bring up a good point right it, you know we're going basically ever since euic since guardy's seen like you know a really insane record mm -hmm. it, and again you know that's not to take anything away from brian devries uh at malmo he got a uh, top eight with guardy at malmo uh, not not to take anything away from the from the guardy players that are doing well in other regions but you know it's its first debut breakout on the scene is second place at the UIC and it's not been able to reclaim that ever since, right? So yeah, um, and yeah, it's like you said, it's it's interesting because nobody's really teching for Guardi, right? Because they 
you know, there are Guardi techs, I guess, technically speaking. Uh, we did see Landon Keitler in his winning Arceus Garatina list. He was playing the Cleansing Gloves, which allows Garatina V-Star to one-shot uh, Gardevoir EX, which can be really handy in that matchup. Uh, Umbreon has come about as a potential answer to Gardevoir EX, right? But with not a whole lot of Gardevoir seeing play or having these really deep runs, you know, people might want to come away from that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the cleansing gloves are already coming out of Artino lists. Um, after Fusion Muse victory, I imagine some people are a little less excited to be playing Arceus Duraludon Umbreon. So a little bit of that, less of that running around as well. Um, we basically kind of get back into that field where really the only thing Guardi's worrying about is Lawsome Box, right? Because nobody's playing yeah. the Mall Wild Traps anymore. Nobody's playing the Alolan Vulpix anymore. And that's because those were pretty, like, one-sided tech options. Like, you mm-hmm. you use them as a surprise, and then now that the strategy is out there, nobody ever falls for it again type of deal. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the field is low-key looking pretty all right for Guardi. Again, you know, you still got to kind of get around the Lost Box matchup, but, you know, if you can dodge them, maybe, or if, uh, you know, you, you, you got the tools to kind of keep them at bay or anything to kind of help you give an edge in the matchup. Yeah. Could be a good run for Guardi this weekend. Definitely. I mean, I would I would say if you're thinking about it, uh, definitely do a lot of testing against Lost Zone. I'm sure you can find a Lost Zone player fairly close to you that you can test against. Uh, that's the best advice I can give. You know, the best way to learn how to beat a deck is just to play against it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's always worth testing your bad matchups, you know? Unless oh, yeah. it's something like Unless know, it's an auto 80, loss. 20, 90, 10 yeah. type deal. You know, 30%, those are pretty good odds. Not the greatest, but they're good odds. So. Uh, it's enough to win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got things like the Penny, Doublezation. Uh, you could get really crazy and go in with an Espeon, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that may not work out too well for you because Drapion, but it's an option. You could try it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely good yeah well, i mean whatever you gotta do so well while we're on that um you know we we just uh talked about miraidon ex in our 60 card showcase and mm-hmm. i feel like this is always a question people have every single tournament we've gone into for this format is does miraidon do it again do they make the top cut do they have the deep run right yeah we've seen it a couple times uh again Top 8 at EUIC. Uh, so we had Top 8 at EUIC, Top 8 at Portland, uh, as well as uh, a few other tournaments, in, say, like in the Philippines and Singapore and stuff like that. Um, you know, Miraidon has come out to play. It's, it, you know, its matchup spread is not the greatest, but it does have the tools to have a deep run. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had the conversation a few times on previous episodes Man, Miraidon's matchup spread, it just doesn't look that good, man. I can't... Yeah. I personally don't ever put any stock in it, but then it gets top eight, you know? And I'm just like, all right, man, you know, I got to put some respect on the Miraidon players, bro. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't uh, look to be super in their favor. But like you said, it's uh, you don't expect it, and somehow they still keep placing high, keep placing in the top eight. So I think the potential's definitely there. I, I would definitely would not sleep on Miraidon. 
Yeah, and like I mentioned uh, in closing of the 60-card showcase earlier, we've seen a lot of success from Arceus. Arceus has proven that it's one of the best cards in this format. And like I said, the last thing an Arceus deck wants to see is a deck that can one-shot it turn one going second. Yeah. That is the quickest way to just absolutely win in an Arceus matchup, right? So, mm-hmm. Muridon is one of the best decks at doing that, in all honesty. I mean, it gets set up at a lightning pace. 220, turn one going second is entirely possible. Likely, even, to be honest. <laughs> and in a format where a lot of people are playing Arceus, or rather more and more people are playing Arceus, it makes sense. Like It, it honestly would be a good weekend for it, because... You know, the Arceus numbers have just slowly been growing ever since EUIC, right? It was kind of at an all-time low at EUIC. You know, not too many people, like 10 people in day two of EUIC playing Arceus. Uh, But then, you know, you go throughout uh, the regionals, Mm -hmm. that number slowly picks up, right? I mean, if you look at Hartford, Hartford in day two, Arceus was the most played deck. Now, that's combining, you know, Arceus Giratina, Arceus Doral. That's combining all the variants into one, but... Yeah. You know, you go from EUIC, where there were only 10 Arceus decks in day two, and then you jump over to Hartford, and there's 27? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's... I do think Arceus was getting slept on there for a time period. Uh, you know, I don't know if people just thought it was bad, or just didn't really think it was doing enough for that moment but i know you were having that struggle too for a while we're just like you were trying to figure out how to use rcs it definitely hit a bump in the road there but i think people are starting to figure it out for this format and rc is just one of those cards i think is always going to be good you know starbirth is just never a bad option you can never go wrong with starburst and you know uh energy acceleration which yeah it would be difficult to imagine a card that says go get two cards from your deck <laughs> would ever be would ever be any kind of bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It, it was a little dicey in the Crown Zenith format there for a little bit, but uh yeah, no, I mean I, I think now that Lugia has been toned down, Arceus is, you know, back on top. He's you know you wanna play it with Giratina, fine. You wanna play it with Duraludon, Umbreon, fine. You wanna play it solo, go back to a Sharon loop type style. Hey, that works too. We've seen a few of those make day two. Some Arceus Barrel, some Arceus uh Gallade type stuff. Yeah. I mean seen quite a bit of uh Arceus variants, and I mean you you know me, I love me some Arceus, right? So Oh definitely. Uh so yeah, I mean I think I think for that reason, I think like Miraidon and probably fusion mew i say probably because like it literally just won two regionals so i imagine people are gonna you know try to get after it but mm-hmm. you know if you were worried about arceus i mean you know miraidon and fusion mew not a bad way to go and like i said I, this just might be one of the best weekends for miraidon just hands down i could agree with that well since we were on the topic of arceus uh just now like I said, there's been a lot of Arceus variants. Arceus plus anything still works in this format. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we've seen Arceus Giratina seems to be the most popular variant, but Arceus Duraludon Umbreon has been growing in popularity as well. 
In fact, actually, mm-hmm. I believe that was the most played Arceus variant at Hartford Regionals. Um, what do you think, as far as Arceus goes, what Arceus variant do you think ends up being the most popular? Do you think it's something new? Oh, yeah. Do you think somebody has something spicy, or are we just sticking to the basics here? I, I think it's going to be Arceus Giratina, just because right now that's the probably the most tried and true best Arceus deck, you know, that people know for sure is the best. I think that'll be the most common one we see, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, a Path Judge spam with an attacker that can threaten 280, um, yeah. it's pretty hard to beat. And it's it's the Arceus variant that I'm a little more favoring this weekend, just because, you know, mm-hmm. after Fusion Mew won a tournament, the last thing I want to do is, you know, walk Play Mew at the next tournament? <laughs> Well, yes, but also, uh, you know, walk into the venue with an Arceus deck that doesn't have any one-prizers in it, because it's just like, man, you know, some people are going to pick up Fusion Mew and take it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to run into that player, and they're just going to absolutely nuke two prizes on the first turn of the game, and I'm just going to be behind. It's just like, oh, God. (laughs) But Arceus Giratina, right? He's got, like, the Squovit, you've got the Bidoof, the Barrels, right? So... If you find yourself in one of those matchups, you can just, okay, let me just start with this guy, bench a second one, make sure that I don't get, you know, giga-donked this uh, this round, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it can kind of play around that stuff a little bit easier. You know, you got Path Judge as well. And it has some flexibility to run alternate attackers. Uh, I mean, I've done a lot of testing with that myself. Uh, you know, Arceus Garatina with Flying Pikachu. You could go with Alolan Vulpix. You could go with Umbreon. Basically, anything that attacks for X double colorless is going to slot right in just fine. Uh, so I'm feeling, honestly, feeling pretty, pretty good about Arceus Giratina with an Umbreon tech this weekend. Mm-hmm. Just seems strong, just in case Gardevoir comes back, but also still having Umbreon for that dark typing to hit Mew if Mew sees an increase in popularity, you know. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of good stuff there. It's a really simple, solid, effective game plan that just, you know, it, it gets the job done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, outside of that, like I said, we got the Arceus Duralid on Umbreon variant. Like I said, I, I think it's definitely really strong. Like, it is probably the deck you want to play if you have, like, the if you want to have a catch-all for the entire metagame. Mm-hmm. Like, there's very few decks that that deck cannot handle, uh, in my opinion. But again, like, you know, after Fusion Mew kind of goes and wins an event, I mean, we know Fusion Mew just absolutely dumpsters Arceus Duraludon in any variance. Um, can be a little rough. The Umbreon kind of helps you get there mm-hmm. sometimes, but, you know, you don't have a traditional engine, right? It's all supporter-based, so you're kind of using your supporters and Starbirth to string it all together, which works for the most part, obviously. I mean, we've seen this deck get top eight multiple times at this point. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, you know, we've seen, like, some Arceus Gudra, some of the standard Arceus variants, and I think they're all very well and good, but I feel like those decks are, like, and I don't know what it is, but I think those decks are kind of, like, just missing just that oomph, you know, to, to really mm-hmm. go the distance. Uh you know, that the Arceus Giratina and Arceus Duraludon decks have uh, that those variants don't, you know. 
I, now, this is Arceus we're talking about. We might just see a whole brand new Arceus archetype show up. You know, people will come up with something that hadn't been thought of before and then, you know, go crazy because it was the right fit for the Medicaid. You know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, those kinds of things always happen. So I, I personally hope it happens. I love love seeing new Arceus variants. Uh, but that's just one of those things that we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. I agree. The, I mean, the the potential is, all, as always, pretty much uh, limitless with Arceus. But uh, like you said, I, I do think it's going to be probably be a deck we've already seen, if anything. At least for right now with this format. Right, yeah. No, I, I, I think I agree with you. We're kind of getting towards the tail end of the format. You know, the, the format's starting to get to a settling point. Not, you know, not like solved or anything. Definitely not solved. Not by a long shot. But um, it's definitely beginning to settle a little bit. Um, while we're on the topic of decks that have just endless amounts of variants, we kind of need to talk about the the elephant in the room. We got Lost Zone Box. Considered by most of the community to be the absolute best deck in the format and you know for a little while there it was taking a few regional wins uh at sao paulo and at pagoda stuff like that mm-hmm. has been constantly doing well and we'll we'll expand this to just every lost zone deck you know gudra giratina you know what have you every single tournament this format be it in the united states oceana europe latin america it, it does not matter every single tournament in this format has had at least one Lost Zone deck in Top Cut. If that doesn't tell you what you need to know about Lost Zone in this format, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, my what I'm getting at here, Lost Zone, does it, does it storm in and take a dub this weekend? What variant do you think ends up being the most popular? I mean, because like I said, I mean, there's just like so many limitless ways to build this deck. <laughs> Uh, you know, how, how are you feeling about Lost Zone decks just in general coming into this weekend? Uh, I mean, like you said, the, the potential is almost limitless. So, uh, obviously, I think Lost Zone has a good chance to take it. It's definitely a contender, one of the top contenders, probably. If I had to pick a top three, I would put it in the top three of archetypes I think would take it just because Lost Zone's proven again and again that it is, uh, a monster you know it's a consistency monster it's gonna go in there you're gonna get your comp phase and you're gonna start getting cards and getting options you know and you're just gonna go to town yeah absolutely one of the most consistent decks in format um just you know lost zone and mew kind of have the privilege of being able to just draw on the first turn of the game uh which other decks just don't have that so that kind of leads to them uh, being able to do that. Um, personally, uh, I think for this weekend, and I know I, I know there are going to be some people moaning and groaning when I say this. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think this is Giratina's weekend. I'm going to be honest. We've not seen a lot of Giratina. I've been on the podcast just clamoring about how I think it's the best deck in format. I still thoroughly believe that. I have the entire format, and I will not stop. Um, but it's not, you know, a lot of the community doesn't seem to agree. It's not been doing uh, super well 
you know, it's gotten plenty of day two finishes at just about every single regional this event or this format. I think Hartford mm-hmm. is the first regional where we didn't see any Giratina in day two. Uh, but other than that, we've had a good number of Giratina players make day two uh, at every other event in this format. Uh, but I got to be honest, I'm feeling I'm feeling like this is Giratina's weekend. Uh, you know, like I said, Arceus decks are becoming more and more popular. Um, Mew, I mean, Mew has also kind of slowly been on that rise, and especially after a win. You know, some people are going to be like, hey, Mew is sticking around. Lugia did remarkable this weekend as well, getting second and third place, as well as a, a good few other day two finishes. And when you really think about decks that kind of, like, punish those decks, I mean, it's really just basically every Lost Zone variant that isn't Gudra. Unfortunately, Gudra kind of doesn't like most of those decks. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking about a bunch of multi-prize decks like that, I mean, Giratina just curb stomps those matchups. And Giratina is not a deck that people are teching for right now. Nobody's mm-hmm. teching for it. Nobody's worried about it. I mean, hey man, I the time to strike is now if you're a Giratina player. I think I think now is the best time to play it, personally. Definitely, I can agree with you. If uh if I wasn't playing uh Card of War right now, I would hundred percent be playing Giratina. hundred percent. I uh and I'd be playing Lost Zone Giratina. I know we just talked about Arceus Giratina, and that deck is really good, but I've always been more of a uh, Lost Zone Giratina fan. I uh, I don't know. I just really like Lost Zone Giratina. It just works so well together, which I know they were made together. <laughs> but, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I just have always thought it's the better variant. And Giratina, like you said, it's just a monster. I mean, it's, an OT- it's a sitting OTK whenever it wants. It's very scary to deal with. It's a... Uh, when it has Lost Zone backing it up, it's got a solid, consistent engine. It's got to find the cards it needs. It's really just, are you able to shut it down before Giratina just starts ravaging your whole board? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it. I mean, in my opinion, I think it just has one of the best matchup spreads in the game. I mean, if you're playing a multi-prizer deck, you probably just lose to Giratina V-Star. I'm sorry, it just is what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. it's... It's a consistent deck. It's got the same engine as Lost Zone. Typically the same, you know, the four Comfey, four Chloris' Experiments. You got room for Poke Gears in there if you want them. Uh, the same one prize attackers, right? A lot of people will go on and be like, oh, well, you know, it's Lost Box matchup is, is horrendous. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, I mean, did we forget that those two were pretty even, you know, back in the Lost Origin format? Anyway, my point is, is that if Lost Zone Box is its worst matchup, and that is completely a winnable matchup, I mean, come on. Come on, man. It's all about who gets to spit first. Let's be real here. <laughs> you get to <laughs> spit first, it doesn't matter. Okay, you win. It's just how Definitely. it goes. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of the biggest strengths, I think, too, right there. It's just like Cramorant and Giratina is so insanely good because it's just such a free option that you have to dedicate absolutely nothing to while you're getting your Giratinas online. 
Yeah. Hey, Cramorant's scary. You have to deal with Cramorant if you're the opponent. Like, you can't just ignore it. It's it's doing 110 to you every turn for nothing. You know what I mean? It, it, you can't let it stay or it's going to bonk you. So you do have to try to deal with that early game because if you try to just focus on that Giratina, guess what? Cramorant's going to end up being the one ravaging your board. Yeah, Cramorant and Sableye will come in and clean yeah. it up. I mean... But it all works together so well, right? Because it's still a consistent engine, right? You got Cramorant to poke while you're setting up the Giratina. But in a lot of matchups, specifically like the Lost Zone matchups, especially like the one prize ones outside mm -hmm. of Sablezard, uh, you know, as the Giratina player, you can just stick the Giratina active and go Abyss Seeking, right? And then just kind of accelerate that Lost Zone a little bit more. So, I mean, imagine you get like, three Comfes and an Abyss Seeking in a turn, right? That's like five yeah. in the Lost Zone. Throw a Colrus on there, that's seven in one go, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just, like, I, I I think Giratina just wins that race almost every single time, right? I think the only way Lost Box can get that race is if they have, like, a Lost Vacuum play, which I guess is not, you know, too much to ask for. But, like, anyway, my point is... Is that the Lost Box matchup is completely winnable for Giratina. It, it struggles with Sablezard. Like, I will I will admit that Sablezard is probably unfavored. But when you look at the recent results, nobody's really been, like, playing Sablezard since, I think, like, Sao Paulo? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, a lot of people have started to favor, like, the Greninja Gate builds again, right? Yeah. Going back to the Kyogre-type uh, stuff, the Kyogre, the Dragonite. Stuff like that. And, you know, not for nothing. Those are fantastic decks. Very strong, very aggressive, um, very versatile. But, you know, I just for me personally, in my experience, I just like, those are, that that's a fine matchup for Giratina, right? It's fine. Yeah. And when you consider that the rest of the field is things like Mew VMAX, which you can hit with Drapion, and then Star Requiem, Lugia, which you just go 2-2-2, two, two, two. Arceus Duraludon, Arceus Giratina. I mean, come on, man. Like <laughs> these are all matchups that just lost some Giratina eats for breakfast. So definitely, it's just one of those things. We'll have to wait and see. I'm a little biased, I guess, uh, but I, yeah, I just think it's a good weekend for lost zone Giratina. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's sitting uh, in a pretty good spot, you know. Uh, people definitely know Lost Zone Giratina is going to be there. But Lost Zone Giratina doesn't, is one of those decks that doesn't really care if people know about it. You know what I mean? It's it's going to come in and do its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it just comes in and it wrecks shop. That's, and that's yep. all you got to do. Yep. Well, let's round things out here uh, with some of our predictions for the results and for the meta share. Uh, and, you know, I'll ask a few questions. We'll throw some predictions out there. Josh, what do you think will be the most played deck this weekend? <sighs> mm, I don't know. That's a, that's a slightly tough one to me. Uh, just for curiosity's sake. What was the most played deck at the last regional? Uh, at Hartford, the most played deck were Arceus Variants. Or, Arceus well, Variant? actually, sorry, I'm mixing up the day two. The most played, just in general, between like day one and day two players, uh, was the Lost Zone Box. 
Lost Zone Box. Uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds right to me. That's what I wanted to say. And that's probably what I am going to say is still going to be the most played variant. Just because uh, Lost Zone Box has so much variants. You know, there's so many different versions of that that are probably going to be being played. Because, I mean, Lost Zone is really just an engine at the end of the day. You know what I mean? If uh, you can make it work with the engine, you're good to go. Right. Yeah, so. and especially with uh, Mew seeing a lot of su- success at Hartford and Malmo, uh, Mew yeah. does not deal particularly well with the single prize Lost Box decks, um, and a lot of the top players have been hyping up the Kyogre variants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that kind of stuff all plays into it. I could definitely see that, um, and of course, it always helps that that's like the community's BDIF, you know? Yeah. You're always going to have like a solid chunk of players that are just playing it because it's the best deck in format. And that, and that's no hate, no disrespect. But like, you know, that's just how it is sometimes, right? You're going to always going to have that large chunk being like, that's the BDIF. All right, cool. I'll play it. And then, you know, they just show up and they play it and they, you know, they do what they do, right? So, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Lost Box is a, is a safe bet on most played archetype. Um,. And I gotta be honest, I, if you would ask me a couple hours ago, I'd have probably said Arceus, just like Arceus variants, but I gotta be honest, I think I, I think you might be right with Lost Box. Um, Arceus, like I said, it's just really good in this format, it's really popular, really easy to play, mm-hmm. uh, or can be easy to play, depending on the variant. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's also extremely versatile, uh, just a solid strategy that's you know, pretty low to the ground. Um, but I I do think that while Arceus variants and whatever way you want to do it is still a solid call for this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like some people are going to be a little scared of the fact that Mew did really well, or specifically Fusion Mew did really well this past weekend and maybe not want to chance more people picking up the archetype after the fact. Um, because again, that's that's a matchup that Arceus can win. I mean, you go back and look at the Brilliant Stars format, just as a perfect example, it was just Arceus versus Fusion Mew all day. Arceus can handle Fusion Mew, but it would rather not if it doesn't have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I, I think if, if anything else had won the last few weekends of regionals, I would have probably just said Arceus. But I think... I think the fact that Fusion Mew won Malmo and Hartford, I think I have to I think I have to agree and probably say Lost Box is what's gonna be the most popular. Alright, so let's come out of MetaShare for a little while. Let's talk about top cut, let's talk about winning. So just you know, on a on a base level, an opinionated thing, what do you want to see win? This is maybe not what you expect to win, but what do you think or what What do you want to see win? What do you think would be cool, you know, type deal? That's a tough question, actually, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, if Gardevoir does well, I'll be happy, just because, you know, uh, being the deck that you play do well is always cool. But uh, I do think it would be cool if something kind of out of left field, you know, came in, swooped in, just surprised all of us. I mean, that's always the dream, right? Definitely. Like, a new control deck just pops up. (laughs) Oh, that'd be wild, actually. 
I know. That, that's a little harder to predict, just because those are so spe like special crafted, and usually if someone has a good control deck, that shit's held very close to the chest uh, until the tournament actually happens. <laughs> right, yeah. But, yeah, I'd probably just say Gardevoir. That's what I'd like to see win, just because I like seeing my deck do well. It's a... Uh, it's cool, but it also sucks because you go, oh, well, my deck won. That means people are going to start teching for my deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with, like, Pokemon and the meta moves at, like, lightning pace. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be pretty cliche with my answer as well. I, I want to see some Arceus win. I, yeah. I'm Team Arceus. That's my favorite deck. I want to see it be successful. Um, and I think... I think Arceus has the unique uh, the unique ability to win win an event, and then you know other Arceus players are just like, okay, mm -hmm. Arceus won, whatever. I don't have to worry about people teching because I can just change the deck and still play Arceus. <laughs> um, but yeah, outside of that, I think uh, if if I had to give it like a specific variant, probably like the Duraludon Umbreon deck. I just think it's really cool, um, and it's like I said, it's come close several times, but it just hasn't quite gone the distance. Uh, so either that or like an Arceus Glade variant, I think would be super sick. Um, but you know, to, if if I were to not be cliche, I, I think I'd have to agree and say Guardy. I think it'd be really cool to see a Gardevoir win, just because. Well, a it's a stage two, right? Like, when is the last time we've seen like a stage two centered deck like actually? Yeah perform insanely well but like also stand in the face of its worst matchup being most likely the most represented you know mm -hmm. uh then finally getting you know getting its win before it gets all this insane support in the next set you know what i mean it would uh i don't know it, it would just kind of be poetic in a way yeah definitely that uh, I can respect that, and honestly, I would be super down for Arceus to take a win. Just, uh, I feel like people uh, were a little too harsh on it, kind of put it down. Which, back in Crown Zenith, I do understand <laughs> that, uh, that was not a fun time to play the game. I'm gonna be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah, I, no, I, not at all. If, it was like, if Arceus I have to be, like, on our bust. I played. I'm a. I'm gonna be real here. I played no Pokemon outside whatever I needed to do for the podcast that entire format. Like unless I needed to test a deck or play a deck or something, I, I really didn't play. <laughs> yeah, you're a you're a more sane person for it. That was a brutal six months. <laughs> <laughs> it it was just rough, and it was a long it was a long rough. But uh, I think during that period, people kind of forgot that Arceus is Arceus, you know what I mean? So I, I am glad to see people are realizing that that still is a very good card. Yeah, it took the format slowing down a little bit for him to kind of get back in the limelight, but yeah, I mean... And if Arceus is king, that's a king I'd much rather have at the table than Lugia. I'm gonna be real. True! True! At, at least when Arceus is king, the meta is diverse, and there's usually a lot of fun stuff running around. Yeah, I mean that's a good point, right? Because it's like when when like the really versatile cards are like running the format, and it's just like, okay, we can we need to do this to beat it, and then they go, okay, I'll just change to this, right? 
Yeah. Let, let, let me clarify. I guess technically under that explanation, Lugia last format counted for that because that's exactly what Lugia did. But like, what mm-hmm. I mean is that like, you know, Arceus comes around, it wins an event, and people go, okay, we need to have an answer for Arceus. And then Arceus goes, okay, well, instead of playing this Pokemon in my deck, I'll just play this Pokemon. Or I'll play, like, five different Pokemon. You know, and it'll be, like, all these different types. Lugia's just like, oh, I'll just play this one of trainer card that gives me an out in that matchup. And it's just like, okay, that's, come on. It's still the same deck, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, just go back to the Brilliant Stars format where you had Arceus Gyarados, Arceus Malamar, Arceus Inteleon, Arceus Flygon. I mean, all of these different variants that came out of the woodworks and, like, were just so good and so different. It was great. It was, it was great. It was a great format. <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, from winners... To maybe decks that aren't going to do so hot. What's the biggest flop this weekend? What deck maybe is a little hyped up, maybe is a big part of the metagame, maybe people are expecting to do good just because it is a meta deck, but isn't going to do so hot this go-around? What do you think? Ooh. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Do you have an answer? I do. I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to be honest. It might be a little biased. I kind of don't care. I think it's Lugia. That was my immediate first thought. I'm, I will admit, I, I just didn't want to throw that out without thinking <laughs> a little bit more about it. But yeah, I think it's Lugia. It's just, uh, I don't think Lugia is in a very good spot right now. It's it's like one of those things, it, it's like I said, I think I said this on an episode a couple months ago. Lugia has always been and probably always will be a pile. Yeah. The the way the deck is constructed is just not the most consistent thing in the world. But it gets away with it because the power level of this pile is just absurd. Mm-hmm. So once Lugia gets set up, like for a lot of decks, that's game, right? The, the the two birds hit the field, they start powering up attackers, and it's just like you know, at that point, it's it's probably just game, right? Because uh, Tyranitar, I mean, it's a beast. It's 230 HP, one-shots everything in the format if you have the right energy on it. They have the ability to run the Urshifu, which basically does the same thing, serves as a wall breaker for Duraludon, stuff like that. I mean, once the deck gets going, there's no stopping it. But, like, if it doesn't get going, then you're not really playing Pokemon. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think... I mean, I think this past weekend, I think it was on full display. Um, the top four and final game that was streamed for the event was uh, Mew versus Lugia in top four. And that set was a wash. You know, Reagan Retzloff is a fantastic player. He's been playing Lugia for months. He's one of the best to do it. But, you know, when you go back and you watch those games and he's literally just sitting there flipping coins, flipping tails every time. It is not playing the game and losing because of it. You know, that's not a good look. And then the same thing happens to Grant Shen in the finals. The exact same thing. He just doesn't get to play Pokemon. You know, I think it's on full display there. I think people are going to look at that and be like, this, we cannot play this. Like, there's just way too much variance there. 
and I and I really think people are gonna just not want to deal with it. To be honest, um, especially because you know decks are becoming like because every other deck around it is just like so consistent like lost box gets going mm-hmm. arceus decks have starbirth mew draws a bazillion cards a turn and that's not to factor in the fact that mew has judge path arceus has judge path um aerodactyl has been seen seeing play again you know duraladon is at an all-time high uh with this new arceus duraladon umbreon deck that's seeing a lot of play these days I just, I don't know, man. And and now we have Fusion Mew. Mew is playing one prizers again, which also does not bode super well for Lugia. I, yeah, dude, I, I think Lugia, I think Lugia is just a flop this weekend. I, th- I think it's a bad call. Definitely, I have to agree with you. Uh, it's just, uh, Boogia, like you said, it's, it's just a pile, so... It lost, with all the support it lost after rotation, I, I don't think it's ever going to be quite like it was. Uh, I believe it does get better, doesn't it, when the format changes? Not changes, yeah, the, when we get our... The Paldeo Evolved yeah. set does bring some new special energy, some new attackers. It gives it a whole new archetype, really. Um, and it's it's like one of those things where it's like, as long as Pokemon keeps printing special energy, Lugia is just going to keep getting better in one form or fashion right so mm-hmm. it is one of those things but like i think for right now as it stands it's just like i mean you can play it and you can have a deep run with it again there were two in top cut at hartford and they got second and third but like i don't know lugia has not been able to go the distance and i'm pretty sure there's a very clear reason as to why <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah, so we're not we're not super high on Lugia this weekend. No, I, I think we're both in agreement on that. Uh, neither one of us expects Lugia to really uh, take anything. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's sure. the best way to say it. All right, well, let's round out the discussion. You're sleeving up for Milwaukee. You're getting in the car, leaving tomorrow. What deck are you bringing? What deck do you think... Or rather, let me ask this. What deck do you think wins the whole thing? What is the play for this weekend? If you were trying to pick the best deck for the weekend, what do you think it is? Uh, Giratina, probably. All right. I'll, yeah, I'll I, save us some time. I'm right there with you. I, it, I think it has to be Giratina. It's, it's in a really good spot right now. Giratina, I think, is the best version of Lost Zone if you're going to be playing Lost Zone, you know what I mean? There's definitely... You could definitely play a different kind of Lost Zone deck and do very well with it, but Giratina was literally made to be in that deck. You know, it's just... It it benefits so well, it works so well together. It's, it's fitting OTK. It definitely just looks the best to me, at least just looking at it, you know, before this tournament's happened. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I talked uh, quite a bit about it earlier, so I won't spend too much time on it, but it's another one of those things where it's like Lost Box is like, I mean, it's an amazing deck, right? Sablezard, Greninja Gates, it doesn't matter how you build it, Lost Box is an amazing deck, right? But yeah, very similarly to Lugia, there's kind of a lot going after it right now, right? It, it's, it's still in a good spot, don't get me wrong, the, I mean, just the, the aggressive price trade alone is enough to keep it in the format, basically indefinitely, but... You know, 
we started to see a lot more stuff come up to try to counter Lost Box as well, right? Of course, you know, the Arceus Giratina is playing Path Judge. Always going to be a problem. You players have the same deal. Um, and again, you know, the Arceus Duraludon deck is not very easy for Lost Box to deal with. And that was the most popular Arceus variant at Hartford Regionals. Uh, and again, if you combined Arceus Giratina, Arceus Duraludon, all the Arceus variants... Arceus was the most popular deck day two at Hartford, right? And Arceus, mm -hmm. I mean, Lost Box can deal with it, but Arceus is one of the tougher matchups for Lost Box, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, some of these decks are, like, teched way out for it, man. I mean, we're talking, like, Lost City, Dark Signal, put these big, beefy three prizers in the way and say, hey, you're not knocking me out, and I've also lost zone to your attacker. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do about it? And all of these things that people are doing to get at Lost Zone Box don't really affect Giratina, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, they do kind of affect Gudra because there's a lot of shred in the in the format right now, which is unfortunate for Gudra. But yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we talked about it quite a bit earlier, so I won't belabor the point. But yeah, I, I just feel like Giratina is the absolute is absolutely the play for this format. If I was a little, in all honesty, if I was a little bit more well-versed in the deck, that is 100% what I'd be playing. I'm not playing it because I haven't played Giratina since the Lost Origin format. I'm like super rusty on Lost Zontina. But if, if I had been playing it for a long time or even had just been, you know, a little bit more familiar with Lost Zone, because again, I haven't really even touched a Lost Zone box since Lost Origin, really... Uh, yeah. That's not true. I played a little bit of it in Silver Tempest, but that's neither here nor there. It, the point is, it's a difficult deck to play. So if you've got, like, no Giratina experience, probably don't play it. But, I mean, if you do and you're confident in your skills with Giratina, this is the weekend for it, man. I'm telling you. Definitely. Well, all right. I think that's going to wrap it up for our Milwaukee meta discussion, Josh, unless you had uh, any other closing thoughts. No, I think we've covered uh, the meta pretty well here. Obviously, there is always the chance, like I was saying, uh, something could just come completely out of left field and take it. But Yeah, it could be a Maridon victory for all we know. Yep, but I think to the point you made, the meta, while not figured out or solved by any means, has settled for the most part. And I think especially with the... Uh, introduction of the more local tournaments and events and stuff like that happening again, people are going to be a lot less likely to experiment at regionals, because regionals are going to kind of uh, matter more now. You know what I mean? They're... Yeah, no, that's actually a brilliant uh, a brilliant observation, actually. I didn't even consider that, because mm -hmm. you know, now it's no longer like regionals being like the only kind of premier events we have right like if you have an idea for a new archetype you could take it to your local league challenge or league cup yeah and just try it out there with your friends see if it works there's a lot less on the line you know um so yeah i mean it, it is 100 percent possible that people you know maybe found something in experimentation at league challenges and league cups completely surprises this weekend blow all of our predictions out of the water <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, I'd be happy to see it. Legitimately, oh, I'm always... 100%. It's, I think uh, we've both established pretty well that 
it's our favorite thing when something just comes completely out of left field and you're like, bro, did you see what took this tournament? <laughs> and you're Dude, like, it's what? The best. It's the yeah, best. It's just, it's something crazy. It is. It is. It's cool. So, uh, definitely would not be disappointed to see that happen. Yeah. Spite ops for a uh, Milwaukee champion. Anybody? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not how it <laughs> would be so sick, that. but it's not how <laughs> If Spide Ops took Milwaukee Champion, I would legitimately, there would be a part of me that'd be like, what's this tournament rigged or something? <laughs> I'm not going lie. Think, there some win trading or something going on? I, I, think, I think I'd have to max rarity the winning deck, just on principle, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, this is my Spide Ops deck. But I, imagine, I would never take it apart for the rest of my life. Exactly. Yeah, I called this, you know. <laughs> Oh my Definitely. god, that'd be a wild... R- I mean, well... I don't know, Umbreon's seeing a lot of play, and Umbreon is weak to grass, so it's not the most far-fetched thing. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I, need, I need to stop talking before I meta-manipulate somebody into playing Spinops. Gaslight people into playing Spinops. <laughs> yeah. uh, please don't do that, that will not go well for you. <laughs> It's a it's a fun deck, but uh, save that for live. Yeah, for save, that, save that for your challenges and cups. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, that's going to do it for our Milwaukee regional meta discussion. Uh, I'd be interested to see what we get right. So on the next episode, I'll try to try to remember to bring up some of these predictions and see if we if we hit the nail on the head or if we were just so so just gone out of left field. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may. Uh, want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Damage Counter. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can always keep the conversation going with us in our community Discord. The links to that are in the episode description. We'd love to have you. We'd love to keep talking about the game, the meta, collections, this, that, the other, whatever you want to talk about. We'd love to we love to keep that going. So uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at EmerDCP, E-M-E-R-D-C-P is in Damage Counter Podcast. And you can find me at Smiling underscore Anarchy. And of course, don't forget to check out the Damage Counter YouTube page. Uh, I actually just recently uploaded a video of me opening uh, some imported Chinese Pokemon cards. They just recently got the TCG over there. They're starting in the Sun and Moon era. So if you want to see what that looks like, Check it out. You might even see a little bit of my Sylveon collection. I was about to say, and if you're curious why Phelan's buying Chinese Pokemon cards, you should check it out, because there's a reason. Yeah, uh, let's just say that I bought a box pandering to my favorite there for a little bit. So (laughs) It was good. I had a lot of fun opening that box, actually. So if you're interested, check it out there. We have some tabletop gameplay on the channel as well. So if you're interested in that, we have that up on the channel as well. Um, of course, if you're listening to us on Apple podcast or on audible, uh, they just added this really cool feature where you could leave these five star reviews. You tick five stars, drop some words, tell people what you love about the podcast. Really cool feature. Should definitely check it out. And, uh, yeah, you know, those five star ratings really help us, helps the show, helps us get, uh, more discovered when people look for Pokemon TCG podcasts. It really does help out. So, uh, if you find that we deserve it and you have the time to do so, please, we would appreciate any five-star reviews. We do read those out at the top of the show. Uh, so if uh, you left any on Apple Podcast or on Audible, we will read those reviews out aloud. Uh, so definitely help us out there. But with that being said, I think that's going to do it. 
episode 34 in the bag. We're not going to check. We're just going to roll with it. It's in the bag. In the bag. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.